Male Lobby Talk Radio, the official podcast of the Mandalorian Mercs. We're a costume organization dedicated to charity efforts around the globe, attending events in Mandalorian armor we've built by hand. Here on the show, we'll keep you up to date with the latest fan community news. Visit our website at www.mandalorianmercs.com. Hey listeners, just a quick note before we begin this episode of the podcast. We ended up recording our episodes early, and as a result, several topics we discuss are a bit out of date. The Squadrons update that ended up getting announced, like the new map, custom multiplayer servers, and the addition of the TIE Defender and B-Wing happened just days after we recorded. As for our coverage of The Mandalorian, we'll be sure to talk all about Season 2 once we return in the new year. We're wishing you all the best to you and your families, a happy holidays, and we hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to this edition of Keldabi Talk Radio. I am your host, Crow, and with me on this episode is Thaxos. Hello. Jaren. Hello. And Hikari. Hello. All right, so we will just dive in this particular episode. Um, there is not a whole lot of Mercs news going on right now. Um, just a nice, quiet, quiet month for us so far. Um, but uh, a couple of little updates. The app team is currently on vacation. They will be coming back January 4th. So that's yep. when the uh, the applications link will come back up and you'll be able to submit and everything until then. Um, if you do need assistance in the meantime, they're still on the boards. Um, you always can go talk to your Rusalor, Rusols, um, your fellow clan mates. There's, there's always places where you can get those the final tips Use the time to hone in your application a little bit. Take some good photos. Yep. Or kick back and enjoy the holidays, too. Yeah, indeed. You know, relax. Enjoy yourself. Um, What else? We didn't have a whole lot other than that, did we? No, that was about it. Let's okay. get to the fun stuff. Let's do the fun stuff. Um, yeah. If I may, I'd like to start with Squadrons. Um, yeah. They EA did actually do us a solid and they did give us an update to the game, <laughs> which we were all concerned that they wouldn't ever do, given the price point of the game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so is it content or just a, a, a patch of fixes? Bit of both. Um, not a whole lot of content as far as uh, gameplay or maps or anything like that, but they did give out um, for no additional money. They did put in the customization screens of the game little Mandalorian Season 1 and Season 2 themed um, cockpit baubles, like a little little bobbleheads or hanging decor like the uh, Imperials can get the uh, one of the Beskar ingots that you can hang from the cockpit of your tie. Um, yeah, there's a little child bobblehead that you can have. Um, one that I've seen in a lot of kill cams was a uh, was an IG eleven bobblehead. Oh, nice! That just that just kind of sits up in the corner and wiggles his guns around as uh, <laughs> as the ship as the ship maneuvers. So that's that's pretty neat. I like that. Um, and they just cost the same in game currency that you earn via leveling up and doing well in matches on doing challenges. So yeah. So and they did give everybody uh twelve hundred of glory, which is that in game currency. Mm-hmm. So you could buy something straight away, effectively. Yep. Yeah, enough to buy one legendary cosmetic for your rebel or uh, imperial. I have bought none of them. <laughs> <laughs> like, like uh, they're cool, and I'm glad they're there, and I'm glad that EA did a solid and just had that just drop into the game free. 
no microtransactions, no nothing. Just, hey, here's an update the way that updates used to happen with video games. Uh, the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> six, six, what, six to eight weeks in now? How, are you still enjoying it? Is it still fun to play or is it um, getting a little repetitive with the limited maps and things? Um, overall, I'm still having fun. Um, part of it is I pretty much exclusively play multiplayer with friends. Um, yep. And that, that always helps no matter what the game is. Um, but I've, I've enjoyed it. One of the things that the update did do was they did um, limit the successfulness of the practice called mosquitoing, where a ship just you cruise into the capital ship that you got to blow up, either the cruiser or the star destroyer. And you just go to zero throttle and park like six inches from the hull and just blast away. <laughs> and you've, the idea being it's hard for starfighters to shoot you because you're a stationary target hugging a wall, basically. Yep. And the ship's guns can't target you in certain spots. Yep. Um, naturally, this sucks. <laughs> no. So they um, they nerfed the TIE bomber. Because yeah. it had just too much armor, it would tank those the turrets way too much. Yeah, um, and apparently the capital turrets also got a boost as well. Boost. I would I would agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> if if they can target, they if they can hit you, they hit you hard. Um, yeah. But there's there's plenty of ways to evade, especially if you're not parked on the ship. Yeah. Just don't go for a leisurely cruise towards it in general. Otherwise, you're just going to get lit up. Yeah. Um, so it encourages people to fly, which is weird. Um, <laughs> in my flying game <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I think yeah overall that's a pretty positive uh, pretty positive change because you're not just constantly hunting for people who are just you know just pecking away at your yep. at your ship where you can't see them actually dogfight um, yeah. yeah actually dogfight actually have some fun um, the only my only real complaint about the limited nature of maps is there are the rotation um, does tend to give you two of the same map in a row, yeah. which if it's a map you hate is annoying. Like uh, personally, I hate the Yavin map because it's just the big open space. There's no mm -hmm. debris. There's no nothing. So you're just, you have no choice but to charge straight ahead yep. into enemy fire all the time. <laughs> yeah, that one's a little rough. Um, and it's very easy to accidentally get kited back into enemy territory and blown up that way. Because yeah. there isn't any sense of scale or where you are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that said, if you guys, if EA, if you just want to give me, um, I forget the, the name of the map, but it's the uh, the map with the giant space station in the middle that you can fly through and around the whole time. Oh, yeah. I love yeah, that one. Yeah. If you want to give me that on a constant rotation, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the 2.1 patch. Just for you. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I mean, I actually got to we I mean, it's that map that you actually get to relive a little bit of those trench run um, dreams, yeah. a little bit of yes. those uh, Death Star 2 flying through the, the thing dreams. Like I actually chased a tie into inside the the uh, the big transport tube in the middle there. And I actually shot him down inside the space station for nice. once in my life. I'm like it's like I can I'm, I'm good. I can go now. This is fine. <laughs> yeah. I really want to go back through and look at some of the um, cosmetic touches in there now. Um, there's, especially on the Rebel side, but even on the Imperial side, there's a lot of nice little variations on the costume from what we've seen as mm. standard, especially the, I forget his name now, the, the big hulking cybernetic Imperial pilot. Um, damn, what's his name? Oh, Shen, I believe? Yes, 
yeah, yeah. I mean, ha- having the the damage on his armor and a, an imperial pilot in not pristine armor who's obviously taken a bit of a beating and is still going it's it's quite an interesting character but the detail they then put in the individual pilot chess boxes for the rebels uh the cybernetic arm for the rebel captain uh there, yeah. there's a lot of nice little touches for costume design in there that we could all possibly look at well that's one thing that i really like that they did in the game like this is this is story-wise the empire on the downturn post Endor, new republics on the rise so there are a lot of little things that make it seem like this is not the empire of old and they're kind of slipping a little bit like yeah we have it's not not just shen but a lot of the pilots are showing some some battle damage um yeah not all of the ships are pristine like there's stuff yep. just in the hangar on the uh the star destroyer like it's yeah it's kind of nice well it also makes a lot more sense for the game to have all these cosmetics for painting your ship up if mm-hmm. the empire is not going to be quite as uh formal <laughs> and yeah. rigid anymore it's like there's some there's some flexibility maybe they're starting to recognize that morale wise you got to have your squadron uh you know, your, your pilots being able to show a little bit of character. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I did see there was a great meme that went around um, mm-hmm. because very often the way the game is, you'll do an episode, a uh, yeah, yeah, sure. We'll call it an episode, a level as a uh, as the Imperials, and then you'll switch to the New Republic. So very often, especially at the beginning of the game, you will do something terrible. You will commit a war atrocity. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And they'll be like, man, how could we do that? Like, and someone will be like, how could you do this? And then on the other side, the next mission, you'll be going after the enemy squadron as the New Republic going, wow, how could you do this? <laughs> 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 like, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the more, more um, sides are fairly gray. Yeah, they're both fairly gray. Like they do show at least a couple of characters on the imperial side that are actually decent-ish people. Yes. Like, yeah. um, like uh, Gray, the uh, the imperial squad leader. Like he's yeah. like, no, I'm like a, a lawman. I used to be used to be a defender of the people, and here I am, still trying to be. But then you also have like li- actual psychopaths on the side too. So yeah. it's just yeah. like, no, there are the empire's not great. Like, let's just let's just be very clear about that. The Empire is still the bad guy. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> but then, yeah, even on the other side, on the rebel side, you have people who have been turncoats and traitors and maybe aren't the most loyal people. Yeah. Criminals mm-hmm. like, you know, it's like people that, you know, in any other circumstance, probably probably not the best, but they're yeah. here. <laughs> so this is nice. EA actually put some thought into this game, which is mm-hmm. surprising. Yeah. One thing I really like about the, the new update is that new forfeit system. Yes. Yes. Oh, it's yep. uh, so instead of safe to leave and match not scored qualifiers. Um, when you win the game, you now always net full rewards, regardless of how many opponents drop out. Um, and if you lose after a teammate abandons, whether you it's defeat or forfeiting, it'll still count as a loss, but you won't lose nearly as many skill points. When you do that, nice. yeah, and then they've also made it so that way ranked lobbies will backfill if someone drops out during the pregame briefing. Yeah, um, that's so been, that's been handy. I've seen that yeah. actually work a couple times. And then likewise, anyone that ducks out either disconnecting or by choice during the pregame uh, briefing phase, they'll still lose a couple of skill points, but it won't be counted as a uh, a loss or a leave uh, from the game. 
Okay. Yeah. And so that's that's a lot nicer. That should encourage people to to actually commit to the game, and and it won't be nearly as damaging if someone just randomly bails halfway through the fight. And if so somebody if somebody does just bail, they do actually have the forfeit system put in now, like so they're able yep. to. Um, so if you're if somebody dumps like in the first third of the fight, and now it's just a, a slaughter out seven. there, yeah, yeah um, <laughs> you can just quit. You can vote with your team. Still has to be unanimous vote. Um, yeah. But then you just like you don't have to sit through it and just get hammered on the whole match. Yeah, I think it was one of the first games I played. Uh, the enemy team, or the yeah, the enemy team had a full five, and then our team, it was just me and one friend playing. Mm-hmm. The other three must have been in a group because they all left exactly at the same time. Oh, and that's it's like oh great, it's two v five now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wonderful. And, yeah, normally you just have to sit and wait and watch that happen. Yeah, but uh, but now not not so much. It's, so mm. that's that's nice. Little yeah. little bit for the sanity. What would be one improvement you could uh, you'd want for sure? I mean, we already know Crow. You want the one map to always be on. <laughs> <laughs> but if you could get one change made for like update two point one, what would it be? I would say, barring any ships, like barring the addition of extra ships, because we talked about that last time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I still want. I do still want more ships. Um, I would like a, a greater variety of um, or. Yeah, more variety in the character customization. Um, okay. What they have is already pretty solid. They have a lot of demographics represented in in the faces, and they have a, a very wide array of uh, like flight suits and helmets and gloves. There are a ton of gloves for whatever reason. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, <laughs> but I've gone into lobbies where everyone on the rebel side is wearing the smuggler's shirt. Oh, okay. Like all five, because there's only four non-flight suit tops for each side. So right. like every like I've gone in and it's like this is the new Republic uniform now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's me. What about you guys? Uh, for me, it's got to be being able to set up private lobbies. Ooh, yeah. If this game has a chance of of lasting long term, you have to be able to set up private lobbies so you can run tournaments. Because yeah. I think that'd be super fun. Mm-hmm. If we could get some sort of competitive scene going in here. I know we... That will give it legs. ...see a match off against the uh, Rebel Legion. Um, but <laughs> it's it's impossible to, to dial it in bar potluck. Right, um, yeah. I think yeah, Matt, unless you, you, just, you happen it. to get lucky with two groups of five. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Hey, guys, we're going to start a tournament any hour now when we can get both <laughs> parties into the same lobby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, upside, the new... The new forfeit system would at least let you all bail out instantly when pre-briefing hits without a penalty. <laughs> so you can start to RNG those lobbies a little faster, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta have some private private lobbies. That'd be really great. Mm-hmm. I, I understand some companies having a bit of trepidation with private lobbies because then people will go private lobby and they won't play the main game and their, their overall player population goes down a little bit. But I think long-term, being able to have competitive matches organized... Oh yeah, more than make up for it. Well, in a game's yeah, esports ability is huge now. Yeah, like, I, yeah, I'm very surprised that they didn't do that right from the get go, given it's five v five. Right. Yeah, it's like it's already set up for any League of Legends broadcast. Like, let's just yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's what I think. What about uh, Lee and Nick? What are you I I'd like to see one more game mode 
Um, but it's from the last Battlefront game, the Shield Gate attack. I know it was very relevant to Rogue One at the time, um, but I found that to be a really good little scenario. Again, it, it moved back and forward a little bit, and you, you had some kind of set objectives to get through, it, be it protecting the shuttles or getting to the Shield Gate. Um, and I thought that, again, it, it, having one additional game mode, I know it's it's a fair amount of development work, but um, there's, there's obviously a... A case in point that's already been used um mm-hmm. so seeing that little bit more variety in there could possibly be interesting yeah no, that was okay. from the yeah. the ea battlefront 2 yes yeah the, the help new, me out because i don't think i ever played that actual uh, mode the, the battlefront, new battlefront 2. 2 so it was based on the very loosely based on the assault on the shield gate from the end of rogue one um right. you started off with uh, the rebels approaching, and a number of the pilots would then be dropped into U wings. And your objective was to get, if I'm remembering correctly, to, they had to get through uh, a checkpoint uh, whilst being attacked. Uh, once you were okay. through that checkpoint, you would then start assaulting the shield gate itself. And the objective there was then for the rebels to take down the defences um, and open up the shield gate. Um, but again, it was staged through two to three sections um, and needed a little bit of coordination and planning sort of between the rebels and the Imperials to to flow one way or another. Um, So I guess it would kind of be like um, other video games like Rainbow Six Siege where you've got attackers, defenders, and then you trade after a round. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that'd be really cool. Yeah, that sounds neat. Yeah. I'd like that. I mean, I've... The only reason I've played the dogfight mode is just to do challenges and get get glory like uh, it's it's fun it's not bad but it is just a standard death match you know yeah yeah i much prefer playing them the the the, like objective based modes to just dogfighting yeah same because like for example almost no one flies a y-wing in the dogfight mode and occasionally you'll have someone in a u-wing or a reaper yeah but almost no bombers it's almost just always just interceptors in the multi-role fighter yeah Mm. So it's just less variety, but yeah, that that third mode would be nice, and yeah, it would des- especially if it is sort of a situation where someone's got to fly U wings um, for at least a phase, then that would it would actually get people to maybe try out the support ship once in a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So as, as someone Nick? that doesn't actually own the game, I found it quite interesting to listen along, and Why some of those no, some of those, but some oh. of the highlights that I've really picked out here is. The lack of matchmaking does seem like shortfall. Oh yeah, the matchmaking can be quite bad. But six six to eight weeks after release, and they're still giving patches, and people are still playing it. It was one of my trepidations for not buying it in the first place, is that it'd be played for two weeks, and then immediately dropped. Oh yeah, like the 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 new first Battlefront. Yeah. So it's, it's positive to hear as someone that is still contemplating it that these things are being addressed and are being patched. Because again, like we discussed last episode, EA said, nope, that's it, the game's done, here's the game, we're moving on to other things. Mm. But I suppose they've always got in the back of their mind, this is our franchise, we need to keep it. Yeah, it is, it's definitely in their best interests to not just crank out a game and leave it. Because Star like Star Wars and Disney have already come up and said, you guys are on thin ice, let's... Uh, Let's make a game people want to play. 
<laughs> Which it sounds it sounds like they've now done that twice in a row because the Fallen Order was really the game that they had to pull out which was a critical well, in, in my mind was a success yeah considering sure. it was yeah. sing, single player no yeah. dlc no multiplayer it was a one-time purchase mm-hmm. and they've done the same again now with squadron so there might be hope hope going forward mm. so with the, the support ships then um is it is it a in your opinion lack of usable utility which is why people don't use them or is it just a boring role and doesn't have that fun factor for me, my experience is I've had fun flying the support ships. Um, it is hard to know if you're really making a difference. Because um, unlike in a traditional, say, like a MOBA, like League of Legends, if you're playing support, there's a direct... Um, you'd see the direct feedback of your actions. Mm-hmm. Like, you see that everyone around you isn't dying, or you see that they're doing more damage. Yep. Um, because you're sort of supporting one ship at a time and sort of bouncing between ships and you don't have that big top-down view of everything it's a little bit harder to know if you're actually doing a good job um especially because when you look at the scoreboard you're not going to have as many kills you're not going to have as much capital ship damage just because other people are doing it for you yeah um so it's post game post game it gives you good feedback on how much support you gave but during the game it's a little hard to tell yeah um, yeah. but that said, I've definitely flown with people who knew how to play support well, and I'm constantly getting shielded. I'm constantly getting resupplied. So it's the role definitely has a lot to offer and I've seen it done successfully. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, I, the biggest group I've played with so far is a group of three, including myself, which is the only downside. I think if you had a full group of five and they knew what they were doing, that support ship would be amazingly beneficial oh, oh yeah yeah um the biggest thing is really getting your group to actually fly as a squad <laughs> yeah that's true yeah it's... It, like it's it's one thing in two you know two-dimensional maps keeping the group together in 3d space it is very difficult and uh the first time i tried support out i was like oh yeah yeah we'll stick together and immediately they go opposite directions and i'm just sitting there going uh, do I go left? Do I go right? <laughs> yeah, then you have to pick, and you're sort of dancing between your squad mates, hoping you get there yep. in time. And they were very reactionary to the enemy. So they were constantly peeling off to go this and that, and then I'd be like, oh no, he's dying! Ah, he's across <laughs> the map! No! <laughs> and sometimes I'd ignore him and be like, oh, why'd you let me die? It's like, you're all the way across the map. I'm not making it in time. And other times <laughs> I would try, thinking, well, maybe I'm just not fast enough. Maybe full the engines, full boost, and I'd be, I'd be rocketing over to go here's some shit and you're dead (laughs) and then i would inevitably then be the next target for the fresh off the kill blood hungry enemy (laughs) and then they'd light me up (laughs) i would die i did Um, i did see one match where um unfortunately it was the other team um but i did see an actual squad of five fighters Almost in formation, come in and just destroy um, one of the the cruisers or the frigates, one of the frontline ships. And it was just like, oh, so that's how you're supposed to do it. (laughs) Like, and and yeah, those few times where you do manage to get up on a run with at least one or two squad mates to do a strafing run on something, it is so satisfying. Okay, I'm going to steal Nick's uh, spot for leaving a suggestion then. Because I just thought of something else. <laughs> what? The training mode. You need multiplayer training mode. 
It would be uh, so good to be yeah. able to practice flying information. Or like practice flight maneuvers where the two you split and then you come back and meet somewhere. To yeah. get a better feel for the spatial, you know, get better spatial awareness, have a better feel for how fast you're going compared to the other person and when you can kind of like try and meet it back up again and not lose each other in the debris. That I think would be really enjoyable. I think um, going back a few years, uh, I was playing one of the early demos for uh, Star Citizen and there were a lot of people oh, yeah. trying to get used to squadron flying in that. And it's, it, I mean, the control was very uh, squadrons are a bit more simplified, but it's yeah, it, it's desperately hard. Even when you've just got a, a small private test server where you can clearly chat with somebody and try and follow them around. But as soon as they make a, a harder maneuver than you're used to, it, it just falls apart. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I did find it's a little easier to stick with people when playing in VR though. Because you have the ability to look and track where you're where you're going. Interesting. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's that could be one of the features kind of missing. Because when you think about it in, re- in real life, when the when you've got fighter pilots doing actual maneuvers, they're constantly looking around and being able to visually determine where things are at. And, yep. Oh yeah. Um, and then I'm sure that their method of communication is completely different. Like they're announcing all of the things they're going to do, and they know what like break left, break right, or what, like what sort of role they're going to take, and they're announcing it. As opposed to, I'm sure when we're playing video games, none of us are doing any of that. Just like, oh, I'm going over this way. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those few times where even just with the one or two friends that you've got on the server, like actually being like, I'm going in for a run. I'm going for frigate C, like, and actually being able to um, <laughs> to coordinate and communicate it is actually like oh yeah that's why we do have a voice chat on i guess i think that's that's what this is for (laughs) yeah (laughs) um that said i have not used the in-game voice chat at all except once on accident (laughs) oh yeah no i don't use the in-game voice at all yeah when you've got third-party software that works way better yeah so there is that i'm glad it's there like i but I think it's a it's a thing that games, especially PC games, don't need to include anymore. Yeah. Like, real well, it's 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 great for the consoles, right? Because yes. it is cross platform still. Yep. So in that aspect, you know, if I did have some friends playing on console, then I'd, I'd absolutely use it. Because yeah. I, from what I, uh, there's another game I play called Sea of Thieves Pirate uh, Game. You drive boats around and sink people for loot fun stuff um mm-hmm. it's cross, cross uh, it's cross-platform as well and i played with a few people that are on console and apparently it's a real pain to get some of those third-party voice systems to work mm-hmm. with console so they're, they're either having to run their phone at the same time mm-hmm. uh, and then their wi-fi cuts out for some reason or something like that or their phone mic just sucks or mm-hmm. you know they're trying to run an app natively on their console and the app crashes in the background or what have you? Um, yeah, I think in-game in voice it does, it does still make sense to have it to an extent. Uh, it does, and definitely it does. in-game voice is leaps and bounds better than it used to be a decade ago. Oh gosh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, I I remember some of those very early early attempts, but yeah, it's we've got we've come far. Yeah. Um, but there are little things like a great example, um, the switch. Um, has almost no um, multiplayer support in that regard, like almost no voice anything um, natively. There are ways that you can get around it, and Nintendo has an app and stuff like that. But um, 
I've had a lot of fun playing the video game Splatoon, um, which has no voice chat on purpose, <laughs> which is great because I don't have to hear anybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of not hearing anybody, I think we've talked about Squadrons enough since Nick's never played it. <laughs> I guess. I guess. It's it's an interesting listen regardless. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be, listeners out, there'll be listeners out there that are also like me on the fence about whether to pull the trigger on buying it or not. Yeah. I, think I got one of my friends to, to buy it today. So nice. It's I think a, a few it's... people are saying it's starting to pop up on sale at sort of sub 30, 20 pounds or so. Oh, is it? Hmm. Um, okay. So it's it's been out for, for long enough for people to now start discounting it. So it's probably a good time to pick it up. Yeah, I yeah. it'll probably be in the next Steam sale as well. Yeah, I, I hope the sale infuses players in and doesn't give people trepidation going, yeah. oh, if it's on sale already, then there's a dying population. It's going to be dead soon. Like, I hope it's I hope it's actually just an influx of more players. Yeah, I bet it will be like it's yeah. the game. It's a solid game. I am. Mm-hmm. I, I went in with a lot of trepidation myself um, and I was very pleasantly surprised um, pretty much all the way through. So I've been. I think it's I think it's worth a buy if you've got the uh the forty dollars, thirty pounds, whatever it shakes out to. Um I yeah. think you should I think you should give it a try. Um or, you know, if somehow you're able to play a friend's copy, <laughs> um yep. you can borrow games on Steam. That's a thing. Um uh, not Steam. squadrons, unfortunately. Not squadrons. But I looked into that. Yeah. Bug, bugger. All right. But go hang anyway. Following proper safeness with COVID and everything, yes. go play it at a friend's place sometime if you can. Yeah, have a friend mail you their PS4. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Nothing wrong's gonna happen. It'll be yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think yeah, I think we can. You're right. I think we can move on. <laughs> I, I, I do have I do have one final question. I'm just curious. Uh, does anyone remember the browser based uh, beta for a squadrons like mobile um, like browser game? No. Okay. See, this is why we need to have Muriel back on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he and I played it. It was oh, man. That was I don't know. Probably like 2012, 2014, somewhere in there. Oh god. There was an actual web client little squadron like starfighter dogfighting browser based game and it was it was pretty fun so i was just curious if anyone else had played it and but, if, um, if it was 2012 okay. he was just a child then my god oh. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know maybe maybe as late as like 2015 it was it was the early year, though. <laughs> I, I i joke he's married and he has a son now so yep <laughs> <laughs> I guess the only thing I, uh, the final remark I have is just that we saw the original Battlefront, not EA, but the original, original Battlefront to get support picked back up so that there's servers again. So I guess my, my only hope would be that um, if Squadrons was to ever kind of like fade away, there'd be some subset of people that could actually get some servers up and running and maybe we'd get private lobbies that way finally. Because I would totally play this in a, in a decade if I could get a group of friends together to play it anyways, even if the servers are otherwise gone. Yeah. It's quite fun. 
So go out and buy a copy <laughs> and join us. <laughs> join the squad. <laughs> Look, if enough people you know own the game, then that just increases your chances of actually playing with someone you know. <laughs> exactly. And it is definitely the most fun when you're in a group. Yes. Yeah, it is. Uh, I've played solo matches with randos and it's fine. It's, you know, the gameplay is almost the same. But yeah, it's, it's like any like literally any game. It's usually more fun with friends. Yeah, Rando Calrissian only flies so good. <laughs> I want, <laughs> I want, I want someone like I've I've saw like a Randalorian, that was funny. Um, also played with someone just named Foot. Oh, <laughs> just, <okay. laughs> like I, I'm not gonna like I gotta say I wasn't mad when I was killed by Foot. It was just like okay, this is this is funny. I'm here for this. Um, anyway. <laughs> Um, I think the only other Star Wars news has been, um, has been the Mandalorian. So are we, are we ready to just jump into that? Yeah, like, spoiler I've time. A, I've got a little side topic that we could delve okay. into first as a bit of a okay. palate cleanser before we do that. Okay, absolutely. So are any of you Lego collectors? Because I'm, I'm sure they're in our ranks of our listeners. I, I would, wish I was. I would, yeah, I would, <laughs> I would not say... <laughs> <laughs> I would not say I'm a collector, but I do definitely still love my Lego. See, I I have a space limitation which limits exactly what I can collect. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Just I have ends. a <clears throat> money limitation. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely a barrier to entry. I find with Lego. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they're just so good at advertising. They um, are. They are. Mine mine ends up being just about every variation of Slave One that I can find. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, four or five, <laughs> and we'll soon soon branch out into the Razor Crest in whatever name that's now flying under. Yep. Um, <laughs> but the, the the reason I brought it up is Lego announced earlier on that the there was a Nebulum B frigate Ooh. that was a San Diego Comic Con exclusive um, right. that they're now actually going to release out via Lego and I believe Amazon. Oh, oh excellent! So it's it's no longer going to be an exclusive. I'm going to assume that's um, not a full-scale Nebulon. <laughs> you, would hope, you would hope not. It's it's just it's sort Harder of scale, right? <laughs> well, is yeah. it is it the scale to their various Star Destroyer kits? That's what I want to know. Uh, that, that would be a good query. I'm not seeing a scale <laughs> on here because it's it's under 500 pieces. Oh yeah, it actually looks okay. looks relatively. It could be to scale. It actually looks relatively small from what I'm seeing on the Lego website. The starter store is what five thousand pieces? Something absurd. It's up there. <laughs> yes, yeah. So yes, a tenth this, this of the fortieth fortieth Empire tie-in and part of the fortieth right. Empire branding. I would, I would happily buy this. Like, what? look at this. This is not the first episode that we've asked Lego for a sponsorship, so I think we should just keep on with that <laughs> right now. Um, Someday, yeah. <laughs> Isn't there a wing like uh, fifteen hundred pieces? And you're saying the the Nebulon's going to be five hundred, or is that just unknown? The the Nebulon is four hundred and fifty nine pieces. Okay. Even so, yeah, well, even not, the Razor not... Crest is a thousand, so yeah. it's got to be a small one then. Well, I mean, it's such a spindly thing. Like the middle beam is not really going to be much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's more deep like, that's... parts than um, structure. Yeah. 
so the, the crest itself was a great model to put together and actually very nice to see how much of the internal space that they used for it that's really good mm. uh if you can so pricey it, over here <laughs> going back a few well, that's years, the ghost it's... uh most of the inside of the ghost is just structure oh was it yeah okay yeah i mean there's a few sort of hidden um compartments for containing like weapons and spares and bits and the escape pods do mm -hmm. sit people in um oh sorry what would be the docking hatches um but the amount that they've packed inside the crest is actually far more than they did with the ghost model oh good and the ghost is a pretty like in universe is a pretty sizable ship yes mm -hmm. like it's actually it's in um the x-wing miniatures game it's the biggest <laughs> ship yeah. You can fly. <laughs> yeah like yeah. it comes with its own special brace so you can put it on a normal it's big ship base yeah <laughs> so that's that's interesting that they managed yeah. to to put more internal volume in the crest i like, don't know whether i'm gonna have to take a look then um size of the structure that they built for the ghost but you know, thinking about it i think my ghost model is upstairs but it's pretty it's not much longer than the crest model but it is wider mm -hmm. because of the shape of the ghost Mm -hmm. okay. um, but most of that is obviously kind of like the, the technic superstructure inside it right mm. well I think, I think the internals of the, the Razor Crest really show up when I'm being targeted with ads for lighting kits for it oh. <laughs> Lego, Lego lighting kits seem to be a thing that are now really kicking off the Star Wars ships yeah but yeah but I mean you know this lit up Legos are awesome yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a very strong consideration because I'm I'm hoping to get the the Razor Crest this year, oh, nice. and it is it is saved in the list. <laughs> <laughs> see the the thing that I I don't see talked about very much at all is the displaying side of Lego. Um, Do go on. I, uh, well, there's a there's there's various different solutions that people come up with, but my mm -hmm. my personal. Uh, items that I buy are from a company I don't know if they're UK based but it's from a company called Wicked Brick um, and they make laser cut items, uh, stands that you assemble um, to actually display the craft so the if anyone's got oh, the cool. Slave 1 they'll know just how unstable <laughs> that single mounting point Lego solution that comes Especially with it. Especially when your 4 year old son picks it up and runs around with it Yes, yeah. whereas the <laughs> Wicked Brick solution being uh, laser cut acrylic mm. actually takes two mounting points. You end up with, with four mounting points total in the back, and in comparison, it's rock solid. Yeah. Um, uh. And again, if I get the Razor Crest, I'll be getting the matching one, because for the Razor Crest, they've actually managed to do it in such a way that it will display slightly tilted. So you don't just get a complete side profile of the Razor Crest. It will be at a, a, a more pleasing angle to view when it's out on display yeah much, really cool. a much more cinematic angle yeah yes yeah i'm I think actually taking a look at it right now yeah <laughs> so <laughs> some of the um starfighters that you can get lego wise i think using something like that might actually help to kind of maximize the amount you're going to be able to get on a shelf um mm -hmm. everyone does run out of storage eventually yeah, yeah you could actually I just pulled up there elevated have some a little lower yeah I just pulled up their website. I see they've they've actually purchased little the individual little um, studs, the Lego studs, and they've sunk them into the acrylics. So that way, you can actually affix your model to it. It actually you know clicks in place, or the little minifigures that you can stand. 
That's really cool. Because yeah. when you first described it, I thought it was just an acrylic stand that you kind of just rested on, then it kind of hopefully not too precariously balances. But it, yeah, it's actually got mounting spots. It, it hooks into the Lego itself. That's cool. Yeah, I think I think for the Razor Crest, they've, they've got three different tiers that is either just the stand for the ship or it includes the information plaque or, as you've now looked at, it includes the option to display the minifigs. And that's what I've got for my Slave 1. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that's um, really so cool. They're out on display with it. Yeah, it's, as I said, it's it's one of the sides when I was getting into collecting Lego, how to display them. I really wasn't happy with the Lego provided solution. Just from a stability perspective, my desk had a very slight wobble to it. And if, if being slightly accident prone, I knocked my desk <laughs> as I left my room more than once I've had to stop what I'm doing and rebuild Slave 1. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Plus it keeps the dust yeah. off them too. Indeed. Dusting off Lego is... Uh... They're dust magnets. Yes, they sure. are. So my, my brick heads, I've, I've recently opted for some of the uh, Wicked Brick display cases for my brick heads, basically, so I can stack them. <laughs> nice. I like it. Yeah, that's really cool. Not sponsored. Not, not sponsored. <laughs> yeah. But it could be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forget what it was. The, I believe it was, yeah, when the Cloud City model... Like the full Cloud City mm-hmm. uh, Lego set came out. We spent about a half an episode talking about it, if I do remember correctly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Locked> in. <laughs> uh, I built one of the original uh, Death Star models and just the the sheer amount of functionality and little moving parts and the, the details of the, the meeting room and the gunnery room uh, and Vader's tie packed away. There's a lot in there. And I'm I'm glad that they do stuff like that, because on the one hand, you can have something like the Star Destroyer, which does still have internal space, but is mm-hmm. mostly just this monolithic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you could do that with the Death Star, obviously. You could just make a Lego ball with a dish and a trench and be done with it. But where's the fun in that? Yep. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what I was, I was mildly, mildly disappointed when I saw the Star Destroyer in person uh, it was in the Leicester Square Lego store and I, I actually did ask one of the assistants of does it open because the Falcon had not long release before that yeah and, and that the, had and all the, the panels Yeah, oh, it's, it's phenomenal I, I spent a good day playing is the wrong word but inspecting <laughs> a friend's model that he had built he, he'd actually gone to the extent of persuading and having his wife agree that he could build it into a coffee table <laughs> um, so he actually had a coffee table custom made with glass lid that's amazing um, that's fantastic and he roped in my services for a day to light it and we ran <laughs> lighting all underneath Arduino controlled to basically mimic a uh, day night cycle where we had high precision LEDs for the daytime and at night time we'd put LEDs all under the Falcon to light up as like spotlighting underneath and Oh, that's cool. Um, he that built like so a full cool. cliff scene to go around it, and yeah, it was it was very detailed. It was a lot of fun. That is so cool. But then to see <laughs> the Star Destroyer is just no, it's static. That's how it is. It was a it was a little bit, I think, disappointing. It's still a phenomenal model, and it's still yeah. I, I love Lego. Oh yeah, and it's yeah. it's still this massive thing. Yeah. But yeah, like, and I mean. <laughs> It's funny that you say I didn't play with it. I inspected it. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's I, I no matter how it. 
<laughs> no matter how old you are, you're playing with Lego. <laughs> That's what you do with it. You play with it. It's that, that fine line between, no, this isn't a toy. This is dad's um, <laughs> like special like figure model. It's a, it's a toy. <laughs> Just... Accept it and be happy with it. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll freely admit that I am I am guilty of of that fathering sin, but the <laughs> now uh, having discussed all of this with my son, as he's now getting older and has his own Lego sets, and we now have a younger daughter who is taking his Lego sets and taking them apart. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Starting to realise my perspective on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I like to think beautiful dad is caring and just stands at the side going. Oh, <laughs> yeah. so she, she's now or has uh has her own sets has dad busted out the craggle for any lego sets uh, yet? No. I, want... <laughs> <laughs> I have high shelves and that's enough <laughs> i was gonna say like this is like are we just describing the plot of the lego movie is that's just 100 percent yeah like, i mean <laughs> <laughs> But let's be very real. Everyone who made that movie had been through that exact scenario so many times. Yep. (laughs) Beautiful. Not sponsored by Lego, but please. (laughs) Please. Please. We would love it. It's a a charitable organization. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. (laughs) Custom Mando minifigures. Sorry. <laughs> hey, speaking of Mando. Yeah, speaking of Mandos, the Mandalorian, the club we're in. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't really get anything bigger happening. Um, they, they answered uh, no. that question. Uh, so, I, I, I think we should, yeah, we should point out now very large spoiler warning ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we will be talking. Episode one and two of yeah. season two. So if you haven't seen either and up until this point, really feel free to just skip to like the last minute of the episode. Um, but I suspect, I suspect we'll probably just talk about this for the entirety of the rest of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> so just hit pause, come back once you watched them. Yeah. They're definitely worth watching. Yeah. It's yeah. So that's my spoiler for your review. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a spoiler for review. It is an excellent season so far mm-hmm. like the first season was great this season is excellent <laughs> i'd concur with that so far yep all right all right yeah so where do Let's we do it. where do we want to start oh <laughs> uh, i i think we dive right in with Chapter that, that question <laughs> from season one being answered in that chapter from season two wait what now Wait, which one? <laughs> <laughs> episode five um, from season one. Uh, after uh, Fennec Shand had been killed, uh, we had a character walk up mm. in on Tatooine at the very end, and you heard the jingling of spurs and just saw some silhouetted boots, and that was about it. And if I remember, mm. there was a lot of conjecture at that point: was was that Boba? Was it somebody else? Um, oh, right. But no, right. Really, nothing else ever came of that. And then from early into um season two episode what is it now being called episode nine um we find our hero back to tatooine um Mm -hmm. which was a bit of a giveaway but there was a obviously a large sort of 
red herring dropped with the introduction of um, Cobb Vanth. Um, um, and for those who hadn't read the Aftermath books, he would have been a, a complete mystery character. Um, and and dropped mystery I, character to me. Yeah, I did not. I did not read the Aftermath books, so it was a very pleasant surprise for me. Yeah, it's uh, he appeared in there. I I don't know how canon they're considered because the author um, I think had a bit of a falling out with um, a few comments that he made on social media. Um, I personally don't rate the books. There are some poor choices made in there aren't <laughs> i'm not going to rant on about them but one of the characters that introduced was um a marshal on tatooine uh, by the name of cobb vanth who was struggling to deal with some bandits to protect his little town um and he found the armor of boba fett out in the desert uh, so he decided to dress himself up um and use the armor to intimidate and fight them off um so then seeing the episode title of the marshal and hearing them going back to Tatooine was kind of a big giveaway um, as to who would be kind of one of the, the focus of the episode. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. the, the casting, uh, Timothy Oliphant. Yes. Yes. Uh, absolutely spot on. I think he, he nailed the role. He, well, does he does he ever not play a marshal? I think that's that's the thing. <laughs> most of most of the stuff I've seen him in, he was a lawman or a marshal or yep. just, just a cowboy. I mean, so granted, short of Clint Eastwood, um, yeah, kind of the best person to pick for a western in space. <laughs> oh yeah, excellent casting choice, fantastic actor. Oh yeah, and he amazing he, episode. He nailed it. Like he absolutely nailed it. Um, and one thing that I like, and uh, my wife Ark and I have talked about this a bunch since we saw the episode, he is one of the first people to meet the Mandalorian and not be a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's him and the, uh, I forget her name, but the mechanic in Tatooine. Yep. Uh, like, yep. like, those are like the only two people that he's met so far that haven't tried to kill him or punch him, or swindle him in some way. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, because yeah. even, um, even, uh, I'm blanking on names, Gina Carano's character, and, Caradun. and, yeah, Caradun, and Grief Karga, both of them have both tried to either swindle, punch, or kill the Mandalorian at one point. Like, yeah. <laughs> even those two amazing characters. The mechanic's name is Peli Mato. Ah, okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, Actress Amy Sedaris. I think again, a, a she, great re recurring character there. Oh, fantastic! Oh yeah, I'm so I'm so <laughs> happy that they brought her back as well. Yes. Um, even if every time I talk, I see her and hear her speak, I just hear Princess Carolyn from BoJack Horseman. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, which a distinct she's, voice. She's great in that too. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, it's and on top of that. Um, with this, with focusing on on that character, on Timothy Oliphant's character, it's one of the first people in any Star Wars media to wear Mandalorian armor who isn't a Mandalorian and yeah. is not pretending to be. Yep, like I mean, he kind of was pretending to be, but not specifically. He wasn't like, "Hey, look at me, I'm a Mandalorian," or "Hey, look at me, I'm Boba right. Fett." Someone he's probably heard of if he's spent his whole life on Tatooine. Yeah. He's right. very aware of the armor and its heritage. 
Uh, yeah. Not necessarily the original wearer, but enough to recognize exactly what it was, where it yeah. would have come from. And how useful it would be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, he's, oh, yeah. but still, he's not like he sees the Mandalorian walk in, sees Din Djarin walk in, and he's just like, oh boy. Like, well, I'm not a Mandalorian. I know that. You know that. Yeah. Now what? (laughs) (laughs) And it's also nice to see that he didn't just run off with the the armor and, and like, pretend to be Boba Fett. Like, someone could try and take that claim to fame. He used it for good good purpose. Yeah. Like, it's been done six or seven times by now. Mm. It's kind of, like... The amount of people who've pretended to be Boba Fett have ranged from Grand Admiral Thrawn to just a guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of nice to just see just someone be like, yeah, no, this is this is a cool set of armor and I'd like to keep it. But um, here, have it back. I guess you earned it. <laughs> yeah, I think it was it was nice to see, again, the level of weathering and detail that they'd kept on the armor. Um I was at really paying close mm-hmm. attention. Obviously, there's, there's a repair job done across the back of the jetpack as well that they they have yep. paid very very close detail to. Um, but I think it was, it was a comment that my wife raised, and she said, um, it, "It doesn't look like it fits him." I was like, "Well, it it, it wouldn't. It sure doesn't. It's yeah, yeah. Him, right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he helmet line." <laughs> Yes, neck neck meat. I don't think is a term that quite covers what we saw. Yeah, it was very ill-fitting. Yeah, and I, I love that. Like at the, you see him walk in. And there's that excellent shot of him in the doorway that they love doing in this show. Yeah. <laughs> but like he comes in, and it's just like before you even really notice the color or the shape or the dent, you're just like that doesn't look right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's great that they did that. They didn't try and try and make it fit him better. No. And yeah. and I like that, yeah, on the topic of the weathering, it does look like it's been chewed up and spit out a bit, even keeping all yeah. of the original details, they put additional damage on top of it. Which makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, there was just enough showing through that you could tell yeah. what it was for. Mm-hmm. But I, I could I could see some people for like the uninitiated or, or those that aren't really nearly as familiar going, Oh, that's cool armor. And not necessarily cluing into it being Boba Fett right away, but yeah. maybe a little down the road. Yeah, and they didn't kind of nice. Yeah, they didn't hammer hammer that in. They were just like, yeah, "Hey, you know who owned this armor? This guy named Boba Fett. Have you heard of Boba Fett? Let me tell you about Boba Fett." <laughs> yeah, oh, like, that's going to become the next Darth Plagueis the Wise, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, having, having seen that, then walk in through the door. I think that gave the. We'll come to it shortly, but the, the, the final kind of 30 seconds gave it a bit more impact because I thought, oh, no, they've kind of answered the question there. Here's the armor, and we'll, we'll carry on with the story as is. Um, yeah. It's still one of my largest overriding fears of the series, but yeah. in, in Filoni and Favreau, I trust. Yeah. 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 I think we'll be fine, given it's Filoni and Favreau. Yeah. Cause, and I like I like one of the things that they did... And I don't know if the character does this on purpose or not, but the Corb character uh, we mentioned before the show, he also rides one of Anakin's pod racer engines. Yes. As a swoop yeah. bike, as a swoop bike, which aside from the fact that it's Anakin's pod racer engine, that thing looks sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't notice until the second watch through, but it's actually um, like a side saddle rather than sitting directly on top yep. of it as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it took a couple of seconds to register. It's like it's, and I've seen the, the meme doing the rounds. It is a guy wearing Boba Fett's armor, riding a speeder bike built by Darth Vader. It's yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> you know, and there's there's just enough plausibility that it could just be another engine like it, right? Because all the pod racers <laughs> were scrap engines cobbled yeah. together. Yeah, it's, it's plausible. It's a, great, it's a great nod to the to the prequels. Like, to, what I mean to say is that. I, it doesn't pull me out of the immersion because I'm not going, how is it that this guy has managed to both collect Boba Fett's armor and Anakin's pod racer engine <laughs> on I mean, Tatooine? I mean, the, like all the stuff and all the people that he's got both of them. That's pretty, pretty crazy odds. Never tell me the odds, but <laughs> yeah, the, the simple answer for that is Jawas. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and but you'd, you'd think there'd be a lot of Jawas with a lot of different parts. So the likelihood that everybody gets the same stuff, but then again, we see uh, that the character, the character whose name now I'm blanking on, even oh, though I knew it earlier, ha. Amy Sedaris's character. Oh, sorry. <laughs> as R five. Yes, the R five. Even with yeah. little scorched top plate, where the old motivator. Bad motivator. <laughs> Tiny little touch. Yeah, it's, but it's there. Yeah. 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 I I like it because they're not they're not on the nose being like, wait, how'd you get Anakin's pod racer or whatever? They're just. It's just there. It's just present, and it could be someone, uh, just a similar model, but it, it's a nod to the originals. Yeah, yeah, and not, yeah, exactly. They're not rubbing in your face like you were saying with Boba Fett. Yeah, and not, she's not saying like, "Oh, R five, so and so." She's not naming R five by the exact name to be like, "This is definitely the droid." It's just, "Hey, that looks just like it." It's even got the little scorch mark. I like those sorts of nods. They're they're more subtle. They're not in your face. Yeah. And it's yeah. and especially when they are that plausible, it's just like, well, the Jawas clearly would have taken it back, maybe mm-hmm. fixed it up just enough, and sold it to someone else. It's what they do. Yep. <laughs> yep. So it just it makes sense that it would still be rattling around somewhere around Mos Eisley. Um, the fact that they still keep going to the same cantina, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like Chalman's Cantina, still going strong after all these years. <laughs> be pretty big yeah <laughs> like you imagine there's a couple that, you know yeah <laughs> like i live in a relatively small town we've got four pubs and bars like we, it's <laughs> i don't suppose anyone really looks at the irony that um Chalman's cantina is now apparently staffed by a droid yeah and it, it oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The uh, the EV ninety nine like it it's we don't know if it's the same droid that ran the droid torture chambers at Jabba's palace, but it's at least the same model. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, one of those subtle nods. It's like it could be. Who knows? Uh, uh, yeah, the irony on that is is like just oh, fantastic. It's it's amazing. Yeah. More, like chef's kiss right on that one. <laughs> more in your face uh, element of the episode. It's it's a crate dragon. I mean, wow. Yeah, um, I think largest thing we've seen on screen, bar that from Star Wars, is either going to be one of the, the space big, big fish, the space slug, yeah. oh yeah, um, or yeah. maybe the Zillow Beast from Clone Wars. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Zillow Beast is massive. Yeah, I mean that that thing. I think they did it justice. Um, we have, mm-hmm. we, I mean, we've not really seen one before. They've just been kind of legends, really, apart from skeletons. And, yeah. Uh, they yeah. were they were in um, one of the KOTOR games. Yes. I can't remember if it was one or two. Um, and it was the the version they used in the games was similar to some of the Macquarie 
concept art. Yep. Sort of like a giant Gila monster or Komodo dragon sort of um, quadrupedal lizard with big frills, um, lots of teeth. Um, I think that was the which was which was a take. It wasn't bad, um, you know, when seeing it. But now seeing it as a as a a sandworm sort of creature um, was a neat take, and it was still like impressive because they did have to make it something. It's like, all right, what's the one thing sand people are scared of? Yeah, which <laughs> yeah. could play in very nicely to uh, the Obi Wan spinoff series that's being talked about because there's a lot of um, myth and lore about Obi-Wan dealing with a crate dragon with relation to a Tuscan clan. Um, mm-hmm. So it could tie in some storyline there, um, or they, they could be using that to set the groundwork for how they're going to run a crate dragon for that if it does mm-hmm. appear in an Obi-Wan series. Mm-hmm. Um, one, yeah, I think it was... One it, thing I like that they, they did was... Um, going back to the special edition DVD release um, or was the Blu-ray release? I forget the, uh, they changed the crate dragon scream. Yeah. Uh, We made fun of this. Oh yeah. (laughs) Almost a decade ago. I'm afraid to say, (laughs) but, but, uh, but yeah, they went from like in the original movies, the a roaring sound, sort of an indistinct animal noise that scares the crate dragons away. Yeah. Um, to just someone yelling "woo," <laughs> <laughs> um, and I like that they they made they gave the thing a good soundtrack. It has roars and groans and growls, like it has a lot of it. But as sort of an undertone you do hear little bits of woo in between like just yeah. tone in the middle of the roar i caught that too <laughs> it was great i think there were, there were a lot of nice little comments around there like it's made its home in an abandoned um sarlacc pit um, yeah yeah that, that little line of dialogue was a really nice touch um, oh yeah. yeah then uh seeing it actually moving around and attacking in different ways um mm. it, it was actually a, quite a, a terrifying creature it's like how how are they going to deal with this thing uh yeah oh i thought it was so cool the way they had it move through the sand at the start yes mm-hmm. uh, that was just <laughs> trauma visually <laughs> amazing <laughs> many years ago yeah especially yeah, <laughs> yeah the the only thing the only problem that i have with it's more worm-like appearance um, which still fits with what we've seen from the skeletons and things like that. We've never actually seen feet bones out in the desert. Yeah. Um, one of my friends uh, commented um, when he saw the episode, he was like, wow, the, the new Dune series really does look great. <laughs> <laughs> which excited about that too. That's a different episode. Yeah. Um, but uh, like, it's hard to do anything sandworm adjacent and not draw those comparisons. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, in looking at the, the law, uh, for those that really sort of know this stuff, I mean, the Tuscan Raiders were all walking in single file. Uh, they were. <laughs> uh, they, they've kept all the little touches. Um, as we go, I was, as I was literally um, 
laughing at the demise of the crate dragon i was telling my kids that sometimes inside a crate dragon you could find a oh there it is on the screen it's a crate dragon <laughs> <laughs> and they they, yeah. they went to that extent in the lore i think that i don't know whether that first appeared in extended universe or whether it first appeared in the kotor games um i think it was a u in a novel of some sort maybe yeah i know it was definitely in the i re, i remember first encountering it in the the kotor games but yeah i don't know if it came out in the lore beforehand but it's, it's that nice little nod, nod to, to people that have read or experienced some of the expanded media and content um, and know all these weird little facts um to then mm. have that turn up was quite a nice touch and yeah like like the show continues to do they're not just beating you over the head with it and explaining they don't even meant like they don't even mention the pearl like they're just like you see someone hold up a big old pearl and you know knowing nothing about it you're just like oh well that's cool i'm glad they have that one (laughs) small gripe there and possibly very similar to the egg from episode (laughs) two from the mudhorn and the the egg Mm -hmm. outs externally realized was this mop covered thing but it looked like a, a legitimate egg but when they sliced it open it looked like clean abs plastic inside uh, and the same when it was a weird looking egg yeah when, yeah. when tuscans held held up the pearl if you knew what it was and you're looking at it it's like oh it's a crate dragon pearl but it doesn't look like a pearl it doesn't have that it does have an uh, I've, got, I've got to disagree there it's got some iridescence i I didn't know what the background of it was. I had no idea what it was. And when we saw that on my screen, my wife turned to me and asked what it was. And I said, I think it's a pearl. <laughs> mm-hmm. So because you then messaged me afterwards going, oh, yeah, it's this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, sus- I suspect it was probably all the blood and guts from having just harvested it out that made it not so shiny. And maybe Fair, yeah. they were trying yeah. to show that it was, you know, covered in... In recently harvested crate dragon bits. Yeah, I, I, I do <laughs> love the Tuscans were just go with the sheer practicality of like, let's just hack the meat off the thing. Uh, mm. I mean, that's going to feed their tribe for years. <laughs> yep. Yeah. going to be some real fine jerky. Yeah. <laughs> couple things on that. Um, How, first off, the, you need? Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that they included more of the Tuscan Raider language and the communication. They showed yep. that again. Yeah, that is such a cool well, component you, that they've added. Have you read more about that? Because my understanding of uh, relying on social media here is Tuscan sign language, as it's, it seems to be referred to, um, has been created off of the involvement and recommendation of someone that worked on the show that could speak American sign language mm-hmm. um, and, cool. actually, and got someone involved... Uh, I don't. I don't know how heavily it's based on American Sign Language, but but it has been defined as a language, and a, and a. I love that Star Wars do that and get that involvement and and. Someone's been present to recognize that someone else isn't present and has found a way to bring them to the table. Yeah, no, I love that because yeah. like, in the the first episode in last season where we ran into the Tuscans and we got that first bit of Tuscan Sign Language. Um, it was because, yeah, that is a deaf actor um, as that particular Tuscan. So they were just, how do we find someone who knows how to speak American Sign Language? Well, I think there's a very large number of people who do. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't that hard to find one. And the fact that they are leaning into it so hard 
um, while still showing that Tuscans are still a verbal people. Yep. Um, yeah. But they're just making it so that it's just like, yeah, no, they're they they communicate with both. They communicate with their their verbal language, their vocalisms, uh, vocalizations, and the sign language simultaneously. Like, it's just great. It works. Yeah, really well. I also liked through the, through that episode how much they showed the Mando himself is aware of and knows of their culture, of their language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there was there was that beautiful scene when they were on on the speeders. You hear that noise, you see those creatures, and you see the marshal gearing up to defend, attack something. Mm-hmm. And the Mando himself is very much like, "Hold on, I've got this. I'm gonna go pet a dog." um and going into that though they've shown that uh we're going to talk more about the second episode in a minute um but in episode two he meets a character who speaks a particular language that the mando doesn't speak yeah so it's not like he's this magical protocol droid polyglot or anything yeah (laughs) Uh, but he just has you know he's learned he's learned about a culture that he's spent some time with and he's actually like put a serious effort into it and it's paid off several times. <laughs> yeah. Here's, I do have one and it, it kind of like spans between episode, the first and second uh, episode in the new season. My one gripe is this. That is a terrible way to cook crate dragon meat. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's going to be raw in the middle and just burnt to hell. Yeah, she didn't. She say she wanted it medium rare, not yeah. like ice cold in the middle and and scorched on the outside. <laughs> and, and I don't know what they're using for fuel, but that's going to taste terrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyone who's cooked anything over and sand blows into it. Yeah. Right. Oh, God. <laughs> no wonder everyone hates sand. <laughs> it's everywhere. It's coarse yeah. and irritating. Um, but yeah, like anybody who's cooked anything over like a kerosene flame, like, no, nah, it's not going to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason nobody cooks uh, meat cubes like marshmallows on a campfire. <laughs> so then, obviously, as, as we we've had this massive ending already and then we get the oh, the final 30 seconds that blew it all away yep yeah. and yeah it's it's so nice to just to know for sure that boba fett's alive like we like we still don't know the story we still don't know if he did officially you know do the old canon where he just blew himself up to launch himself out yeah mm-hmm. don't know don't know if the crate dragon started eating that sarlacc. We don't know. <laughs> um, okay, so before the show, we were kind of mentioning that there was a, a potential rumor in the mix that, yeah, it's not worth mentioning on the show. But now that we've mentioned this end part, I'm thinking, you know what? We might as well. There is a rumor that there's uh, got to be a Boba Fett miniseries developed, potentially. My, so my opinion is that it's going to be... It's just we're going to get more Boba on the show about Mandalorians. Possibly. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of hoping it's the gap filler between Return of the Jedi and the Mandalorian, and it kind of explains what happened there. I would like a two-episode series of him just sitting in the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> <laughs> and it starts with that music that we're all about to be thinking of. You might be wondering how I got to here. <laughs> <laughs> 
See, my, my biggest fear <laughs> from the start that there's still, until I'm proven wrong, will continue to be my fear, is that the, the moment he's acknowledged on screen as anything more than, say, the snippet we've seen or some similar passing scene, yeah. unless you move him off into his own series, I worry that it'll become the Boba Fett show yeah. in another right. name. Yeah, and that's why I'm hoping that the, the rumor, and that's why I figured it was worth mentioning, I'm hoping the rumor's true, so that way this is the only time we see Tamara Morrison in The Mandalorian, and that builds the hype for this separate show, and it doesn't distract from The Mandalorian. I have I have two theories on what could happen later in this series, but they, they are entirely mm-hmm. theories. One would be we see a team-up episode towards mm-hmm. 7 and 8, as we've already seen. They do love that. The other could yeah. be... If he really wants to get his armor back, is he still a bounty hunter? And would he take the job to get the child? Just Ooh. just to get to to Jaren. Yeah, this is entirely Ooh. a theory, um, completely understandable. If, but if done right, that could be really cool. Yeah, it could be. Like if they wanted to actually treat Boba as a villain, because I mean the show's got some villains stacked up. Um, just you know the Imperial Remnant in general. Moff Gideon in specific, but yeah, that's going like, to be interesting. Like to know what happens? Like he's obviously going to come back because he already apparently yeah. has a history anyway. Um, but that would be a neat way to go about it. Yeah. But equally, um, I'd be happy for that to be the end of what we see of Boba and, and move on. Yeah, if, yeah, yeah. And off into that miniseries. Well, even if we don't get a miniseries, even if we don't get more Boba on the Mandalorian, if that thirty-second shot is all we get of Boba Fett, I won't be upset. Yeah. Even I, if we just get one book by an author that kind of explains what happens between yeah. then and now, yeah. that would like, be really cool too. Like, I want more Boba. I do. I really do. But... but if, tread carefully. Yeah. But <laughs> Don't break this, our hearts. <laughs> yeah, but if this is where I... If this is all I get, then this is all I get, and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Din Jaren is a very good uh, uh, successor. I think so. In that, in that aspect of carrying on, like, presenting Mandalorians in the public realm. So I guess in this question, I do want to pose this to see what your opinions are, gentlemen. Um, do we think Fennec Shand is still alive? Hmm. Because we don't see her shot, and then we see the feet come up. So you could... Um, yeah. Like, I, I must admit, I was always under the presumption that she was saved yeah that's, yeah that's that's how i took the ending of that episode yeah Get like that's way. my that's my assumption and and my hope because i mean they set her up to be such a cool character ming no wen is a great actress like yep. it seems yep. like too much for just a cameo like given how much <laughs> of a threat they built her up to be it would be it wouldn't be unfeasible for her to have some sort of body armor to take a blast shot uh, yeah. um so yeah, and again, as you say, she is a, a solid actress, um, and it wouldn't be unrealistic to see her on screen again. Um, and yeah. and I would I would love her for this almost inevitable team up episode because mm-hmm. she knows that the Mandalorian is serious, but also kind of an okay guy because he doesn't just straight up shoot her right at the start when they meet her. Yeah. You know, like he was. Yeah, good. it's. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little interesting because on the one, like, for example, if you pull up Wikipedia, the Star Wars wiki, not just regular Wikipedia, um, (laughs) they flat out are just saying, yeah, she died. You know, shot and killed by Calican. 
I'd like to think that they have more planned and they're not just going to have Wikipedia is at its heart still a fan driven wiki. No, absolutely. It's just interesting to see that, you know, there are people that think that she is just dead. My thing, my thing is that we got the character history. We got a feel for the character and how good the character is. Mm -hmm. And it seems very, um, I mean, yeah, she's handcuffed and stuff, but it, it just seems a little, it's a little disappointing to see, a character like that just going, just getting popped by a, a blaster and just being like, "Up, oh, and you're dead." Especially with how they so treated, <laughs> yeah. Especially with how they treated IG Eleven, who was also had that same setup, fan favorite, the second he walks on screen, and then he's yeah. capped at the end of the first episode. But if you consider the history of Star Wars, they kind of did that to Boba Fett, too. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, it's it's true. That's that's the thing. Like, Star Wars, as many times as a character dies, Mm -hmm. how many times does that character come back? I meant more of (laughs) easily uh, famed and well characters with good uh, repute. Are just like and you're dead. Yeah, that's true. We did. They're, they're off by uh, by silly circumstances, like a vibrax to the jetpack. Phasma, yeah, <laughs> and phasma and whatnot. Yeah, I, yeah. it it's true. I, in a way, I do think it does keep the series a little more grounded, though. It's not Game of Thrones. Like, don't expect anyone to survive. Yeah, um, but it does keep it a little more grounded. It's like, yeah, there's crazy cool space magic and there's all this crazy technology, yeah. and still, you know, you can bite it. You can bite the dust. Yep. At any point, it's a dangerous time. So I think that that gives us a good point to move on to season well, episode two or episode ten, as it is. Yeah. Um, I think I, I commented to it must have been uh, Nikari uh, a couple of days ago. I said you've gone from a very high point in episode nine to episode ten being what can go wrong next. Literally, <laughs> literally everything. <laughs> oh yeah. It was very. Um, no pun intended um Mm -hmm. but yeah it it was a very different pace to it uh a very different feel to it Uh, i've I've heard some people say it's a bit of a filler episode but i think it's still moving i don't agree nicely i think once we see the next episode it'll be a good bridging episode and it makes sense well and it's it's still it gives us a lot of good character development for the mandalorian still like and the child and the the (laughs) child who i'm convinced because of that episode um, the mortal enemy of Yoda's people are the amphibian race that uh, <laughs> that this 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 lady that he has to ferry along is. Um, now I'm not gonna I'm not gonna complain about how like traveling sublight even with Star Wars technology from system to system, sector to sector, they would be long dead. We're yeah, we're gonna ignore that yeah. part. <laughs> also, the part where he's in deep space and then can miraculously crash on a snowy planet, like. Where this is this is a TV show. This is this is effectively fantasy. (laughs) So, (laughs) didn't the uh, didn't the charting the charting path that showed like he was kind of like swooping around certain systems and stuff? It almost seemed like he was slingshotting. Yeah, you did see him probably the map up, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I I feel like there's some sort of like quasi explanation in there. They're gonna be like, oh well, you know, if you slingshot yourself around a couple planets, you can build up enough speed that like sublight's still pretty good. It's true. It's all compared to like traditional sublight engines where you're just lumbering along, you know, flying around at human speeds. I guess I'll say where you know space fighting speeds where you can swoop and maneuver and stuff versus like sublight being nine tenths of of speed of light going real fast but still not hyperspace. Yeah, I mean. It still takes four days to get from the Earth to the moon. 
Just saying. <laughs> yeah, but the, the, the technology is a little different. <laughs> little, little different. But I digress. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it shows it gave us it gave us a lot of development for him. It actually gave us like some good um, a good update for the status of the galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because right off the bat, he runs into a pair of veteran uh, X-wing pilots going by their beards. <laughs> and, um and yeah they're like no this is this is where the law now the mm-hmm. empire's rules aren't the rules anymore and we kind of specifically work to make that happen yeah well we kind of got a hint of that with the last episode where the mining corporation has moved in and we're like all right we're in charge now yeah, yeah. so it was, it was a great little example of of just where things are going um yep. with the galaxy um, I do want to, yeah, I do want to comment. We, we did get Dave Filoni in two episodes now. Oh uh, yeah. As the same X-Wing pilot both times. Um, so that's, uh, that was a, that was a neat little touch. Um, I, I almost hope we see him as a recurring character just showing up often enough. I think, I think, yeah, at this point it's probably yeah. going to happen and they do the end of the episode does like, um, give a nice tie in where it's just like, no, the new Republic's heard of this guy. Like as much as this guy is a ghost and doesn't have a record, people know about him. They know yep. and his actions are spreading. Yeah. The toys, toys, episode mm. six were very nice. Yeah. And it's just like, no, you like, you're a jerk. Let's, let's get that. Let's, let's put that right out right now. You're a jerk, <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't kill a prison guard when you could have. Mm-hmm. You did make sure that he got out okay. <laughs> yeah, it was nice to see them kind of or, well, he justify did. like yeah. rule the letter of the law versus kind of the intent of the law, and then being like, "Listen, you know, we're gonna let you. We don't like you." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and they and we've they, got decent morals, and we're willing to look the other way on this. And they <laughs> they still didn't actually help. <laughs> oh no, that ending was <laughs> I loved it. Like. <laughs> Okay, you're not in danger. We saved you and your your passenger's life. The debt is owed, or the <laughs> debt is repaid. Yeah, peace. <laughs> so that that was yeah. uh, talking of the passenger. I believe that was uh, Misty Roses again. She was, yes, yep. Um, oh yeah, yep, yeah. I awesome. saw I saw in the credits that she was credited. Seeing as they're only f- you only see five people the entire episode. Right. Um, pretty fair bet that uh, that she yeah, was I passenger I, I didn't clue into that yep. yeah um I, unless she was the ant person um <laughs> that was a great name like, like i mean <laughs> uh, i like that they just had a giant oversized ant that was kind of neat yeah yeah like I'm, it's, I'm, it's another throwback to the original cantina scene where you had like mr wolfman and and the vampire devil guy yeah, yeah. like i like, like yeah throw together a costume I like that they're they're leaning into the fact that, you know, Star Wars, unlike Star Trek, has non-bipedal, non-humanoid creatures. Yep. <laughs> and they're like, we got a budget. We can have an ant. Dude, yep. why not? <laughs> I did really get okay. into that later when she started running as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That, yeah. that is what I was going to bring up next. It's, <laughs> it's the... It was in, interesting to see an amphibian walking upright... Mm-hmm. But then kind that real, yeah, base, then when it came down to it, base fear, base instinct, that whole fight or flight response. Yep, primal might not be quite the right word, but it's it's more that primitive instinct of 
oh no, this is how we move fast and this is how we move distance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I like that, yeah, they did... Ark and I were talking about this. We were trying to figure out um, with the amphibian character how much of how much of the screen time was actually a rubber mask, um, and how much uh, of the screen time right. was maybe a halfsy rubber mask with C- with a CG face. It's really hard to or tell. or a CG augmented face like they did on the Dark Crystal miniseries, because um, those are all puppets. But then they gave them additional eye, yes, you know, yeah. eyelid movements and lip yeah. movements and things like that. Just little it's- little tweaks. It's so hard to tell now when Lucasfilm has their crazy new uh, filming situation where most things, they they don't have sets, but they also don't have giant green screen studios. They have that live background. Yeah. That technology is just mind-blowing. I have found myself looking for it now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That that cliff looks quite rounded. I wonder if that's that screen. What blows my mind about that... Yeah. Like it's what crazy is there is that the screen technology is caught up so much that a camera looking at it doesn't see a screen. Yeah. Like I know there's, there's someone off screen controlling all the elements and in the moment they can shift the, you, they can rearrange the background stuff. If they're like, ah, you know, I don't like this shot, put an extra boulder over there. They can just plunk it in in the unreal engine. Yeah. It's, like it's the, the name is very fitting. Yeah. yeah. It's and it's amazing to me that that's the way that that thing works cuz I remember not yeah. too long ago like you watch a movie from the mid 90s and everything is CRT TVs or oh, yeah. or early LCD screens and you get a picture from a camera of a monitor and you get that you see the refresh rate going up and down the screen. You see the bars. Yeah. And it was just that was reality for the longest time. Now what, like the cameras don't even know <laughs> what blew, what absolutely blows my mind is the fact that it's not just external scenes they're doing internal scenes too with that technology yeah really. like you can't just tell you can't tell that they're using that tech just because it's an outdoor scene they're going to be interiors of buildings that they're filming with that same technology and it's amazing for giving the CG artists proper light references. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic for the whoever's shooting, you know, actually filming it to be able to see what's going on and know what they're filming and how they're they're composing the shot. The the fact that you can change the elements in the background on the fly, and then for the actors as well, they're able to see a whole lot more of what's going on around them too. Sure. Yeah, they don't just have to imagine it all. You're not just Kenobi, Kenobi and the speeder just doing the left-right dance as <laughs> yeah. he's speeding along as we've all seen that gif. For anyone that watch the behind-the-scenes on Disney+, Plus, it is well worth watching. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I, I love the that... the gallery can, series, right? Yes. 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 And I love that they can still have props. Like, yeah. you know, you can actually, with all this, because the background's taken care of and it's so easy, and they don't have to green screen everything in, like... If someone more needs, attention to the props, yeah. Yeah, if someone needs to sit on a crate, they're not just sitting on a green box; they're sitting on a crate. Yeah, <laughs> like it's they. Someone needs to pick something up; they can actually pick something up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even even trying to distinguish the blending between the child being a puppet and the child being CG is very difficult. Sometimes, yeah. Like there are other times, like anytime he has to be picked up, it's just like okay, that's that's a puppet. Or yeah, yeah. Or it's like anytime he's, walk, anytime he's walking, it's CG. But I mean, without knowing that, it's hard to tell. Yeah, there were times when he was walking in Chapter Ten that I was questioning whether it was still somehow the puppet. Yeah, I th- I think that's mostly credit to them 
designing the child to look a little bit like a puppet. And because it. Yeah, because well, because Yoda was originally a puppet, and you can tell between Yoda puppet and Yoda CG in the prequels. Yeah. You know, there's some substantial differences, but having the child look like a a little bit like a puppet, you know it's not real, real. But, that's but you know a puppet is real. Yeah. And so by by that extension, by knowing it's a puppet and knowing it's a puppet is real, it feels more real. Oh, that is one thing. It makes sense. It, it does. That is <laughs> yeah. one thing I wanted to bring up. Um, one of the things I really liked about episode nine was that this was the first episode in the show that has almost no Baby Yoda. Yeah. And granted, I love Baby Yoda as much as anybody else, but I know like a fair number of my friends, the Mandalorian became the Baby Yoda show. <laughs> and it's like, you're kind of missing a lot of other stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, I, they, they were building towards the finale, so they had the child do more Force stuff, and it kind of built up like, what's it going to do? How much even, is it going to participate? Even just, you know how you have that friend where if you're just driving down the road or walking down the street and they see a dog? They will point out that a dog exists to you. <laughs> I've had I have friends who that's how they watch the Mandalorian. They're just ah, waiting yeah. for Baby Yoda to come up. And yeah, the technology is amazing. The character's really cute. They do a lot of hilarious crap with it. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's a fantastic piece of work mm-hmm. all as a unit. But like. It was nice that they didn't have to a juggle the kid around all the time for the whole episode. Um, and they didn't, you know, cause then there's the constantly like, Oh, well who's holding the baby? Who's holding the baby? Yeah. Are you holding the baby? Who's shooting at the baby right now? Like, yeah. uh, well, there wasn't a one fight for well, the baby. Yeah, no, it's true. Like they still have them. I liked that though. Yeah. They still have them in, in the show and all, in all this stuff. Um, and they still mention him. But they don't, it was, he didn't sort of steal the show away from yeah. the, you know, the character that the show is named after. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so speak, speaking I, I of that like fight. Humor, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Nick. I was going to say, I do like the humor that they're able to inject at the moment with the use of him, though. Oh, yeah. No, every time, yeah. every time he eats an egg in <laughs> the second, <laughs> it's a riot. Yeah. Every time, apparently, some people are really mad about that. Oh, well, yeah, moment, he's eating the moment, children. The moment I saw the container, <laughs> given given that we saw the frogs during mm-hmm. season one, yep. yeah, I, 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 I turned to my other half and I just said, He's going to eat one. He eats like six, he eats, yeah. he eats like half of them. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. it gets to the point where you're like, I think she's gonna <laughs> notice, dude. Yeah, how does she not notice? <laughs> but I, 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 I did like that. That part especially is just like as an audience member or someone watching it wondering, is she going to notice? When is she going to notice? Surely she's going to notice, but how does she not notice? Like, and they set up that that's going to be the conflict of the episode. Yeah. yeah, Like, totally misdirect. I love it. Yeah. Uh, it's just like, yeah, like, I always want more Baby Yoda just as much as anybody else. Like, but I want them to do the balance. I like, yes. I like the balance that they're striking. Also, yeah, talking about um baby yoda in that episode um we got to have that alien moment (laughs) where he goes and he investigates the spider pods he reveals that they're spider pods um and of course he just friggin eats one like 
Oh, yeah. What a great homage. It's so gross. But yeah, <laughs> but then but yeah, then we see the other ones jiggle and shake and we see them peel apart like a fleshy rose petal. Like and the sound design. Uh, yeah. Ooh, yeah, it was good. It's 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 gross. And I I personally like I hate ASMR stuff. I hate you know if i can hear somebody chewing too loud like that sort of stuff drives me batty but like when it's used for that exact effect (laughs) it's very effective there yeah i think Uh, that whole and then yeah and then we got that whole whole scene and pacing of it was very very well put together again it it escalated very quickly yes. from let's stop the child eating her eggs to he's gone off by himself for five minutes and then everyone's running. Um, but the, the stage, yeah. the stages of panic of like, I'm going to shoot my way out. No, I'm going to start throwing detonators. No, I'm going to get the flamethrower out. Um, it, it all flowed yeah. very nicely together. Yeah. 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 That's something that I found it, like with season one, it was apparent with the, the the Marshall episode and with this next one too, they have done a phenomenal job with the pacing of telling the story. Mm-hmm. They're not rushing to get all the details in. They're not trying to cram a, a million characters in. I like that it's like we mentioned a little bit earlier with there only being like five actors names credited there. I like that it's simple as far as the number of actors and simple as far as the number of characters, because you spend a lot more time with visual storytelling and character growth. And it's, when I was watching the Marshall, it felt like it was. I I, I had to check my watch actually because I was going, wait, has this? How is this not over yet? This is amazing. It felt longer than an hour, mm-hmm. in a good way. Yeah, it yeah. felt like I was just getting more for that episode, and it flowed so well in the pacing. Yeah, yeah, I I love it. Yeah, it's very similar to yeah. The second episode does a very similar thing. Like you, it it builds slow. Like it's a bit of a slow burn at the start. And then, but once you get to that part where they're just constantly in danger, one thing's going wrong after another, after another, yep. after another. And you're, and yeah, you ask that question, well, what the hell else? Yeah. Where's, where's the cut and the cliffhanger? How's the, how yeah. are they going to manage this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Am I, am I the only one that was thinking back to the squadrons, uh, CGI trailer when they st- went headed into that Canyon? A little bit. No. I was on the edge of my seat there. I was like, no, they can't do that to Filoni. <laughs> a little, a little I was just like, please don't like, I, you kind of know that Filoni's probably going to make it out. Maybe. But they can't do that to Appa either. Yeah. But they're just like, oh, like, oh, please don't let one of these guys go. Like, please tell me he's not going to just shoot them down. <laughs> yeah. It's actually, um, it wasn't overdone. Uh, we no. We do some fairly interesting things with the ship. Um, but again, it was a, a, a transport ship against two fighters. Yeah. Two yeah. fighters who really don't have a problem keeping up with him for yeah. most of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, sorry, I, I should clarify when I said Appa, that's the character, that's the name of the character that the actor plays in a different show <laughs> <laughs> called Kim's convenience, which is a, I think it's a Canadian. Yeah. It's a Canadian run show. So it's good. It's fun. Um, <laughs> I don't. Uh, do we know what that uh, X-wing pilot's name is, though? Um, I'm not sure we I'm, do. I'm gonna have to look this up. I think I'm there's have um, to... quite a few notes going again on social media. I think he's a 501st member as well. Uh, he's a cleared. Oh, is uh, it? Uh, then, what, then what the hell is he doing in an X-wing cockpit? I <laughs> <laughs> did see a social media post about congratulating someone of being in a 
the Mandalorian episode, and I hadn't linked yeah. that it was that person. Uh, let's see. That's really His cool. name is uh, Paul Sun Hyung Lee. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, known for Kim's Convenience. Um, and it's, I, I just can't think of what his X-Wing pilot name is. Um, Captain Carson Teva. Oh, cool. It's one of those characters I don't think they ever actually say his name. Like, we haven't actually heard Filoni's name in full either. But, you know, that's fine. Like, we don't need... I do... I'm sort of torn because on the one hand, like, I don't remember Amy Sedaris's character's name because I don't think anyone says it. Um, so I think if a character's going to be on screen more than five minutes, I think they should actually maybe introduce the character. But on the other hand, there are lots of times where they're not just saying a character's name just to say a character's name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that I think that's one of the things that makes it feel like the pacing is so well done. And there's a lot of good visual storytelling. They're not just like, hello, Peli Mato. Yeah, right. It is good to see you again. My mechanic friend. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. it's it's OK to not do that every time. Yeah, like, it's like was... it would make no sense for Filoni's character to be, character to be like, hey, uh, Captain Carson Tiva, are we going to pull this guy over? <laughs> and instead, it's just the, the little banter they had instead, though, was great, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that, no, it's it fantastic. Channel. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> and, and you uh, and, and the. The way that the emotion is conveyed in the Mandalorian, like uh, he's doing such a good job in the suit to convey the emotion. Oh yeah. When they're like, "Oh, let's switch to another channel," and you can tell it's like something's up, and he knows it. <laughs> he's I, doing going to do something. To watch I presume you were all sitting there. I, pre- I presume you were all sitting there going, "It's going to open. They're going to open." Ooh opening i i did i did get that a little spoiled because i was on twitter and i saw they had a gif up of one of the x-wings opening but then at the same time i'm just like it was a little it's still a super cool shot on its own so i was happy to see it because i mean anytime that you see the x-wing open you're just like like, oh yeah let's do this let's get into it it's Uh, go time um But then I'm now, but then the rest of the time I was like, okay, now how do we get there? How do we get there? This isn't, this is something like, I'm like, are they escorting him? What's, what's going on? I gotta, I gotta know now. It was interesting. Here's here's a little fun fact about Dan Crow. Dave Dave Filoni and John Favreau were were recently talking and they were talking about season one. Mm -hmm. And specifically about the X-Wing. They had diverted the X-Wing that was en route to, and I really hope I get this right, Disney World being Florida. Yes. Disney World's Florida, yeah. Yep. So the X-Wing at Galaxy's Edge was diverted whilst it was being shipped to Galaxy's Edge because they required an X-Wing on set to film. Oh, that's cool. Which is the X-Wings they used for, for the Series 1 scenes. Now, I don't know if they've been reused for whether they shot those early or whether they've procured something else, but at least those series one ones, anytime you now go to galaxy's edge, you can say, yep, that was screen used. That's That's awesome. And, and probably realistically cheaper (laughs) for them to like, we already got one. We'll just, it's going to be a minute. Park's not open anyway. (laughs) It also speaks to the quality that the galaxy's edge Disney, Disney world park was putting in to have it be, up to snuff to be yeah. used on screen. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's, it's amazing. And, yeah. um, well, like, and I'm it, here for it. Absolutely. Here yeah. For it. 
with the Disney parks, I mean, you know to a certain extent that like stuff further away is going to have less detail because it only makes sense. That, you know, and they play sure. up that forced perspective situation a whole lot when you when you're at the parks. There's you can pull up a whole like YouTube documentaries and stuff about how Disney uses forced perspective and and all these tricks to make things seem different than they actually are oh, all yeah. the facades which is really cool it's a it's amazing how how well they do it and how much they utilize it mm-hmm. um so it was yeah it's just really impressive to know that you know they could take one of those x-wing models that they were going to use at the park and it holds up to screen standards yep i love it and it, i mean it goes right along with what we do because we all operate on the same yeah. on the same way with our costumes we want to look just as good as we do a mile away way up close yeah <laughs> and i did i did have to check this uh paul uh sun hyung lee is a honorary member of the toronto garrison of the five first nice. that's awesome um, and he's got at least one like uh, imperial officer costume that i've seen so like he legit yeah <laughs> Yeah, I think he was interviewed about uh, his appearance and he was gushing about how much of a giant nerd he was. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, he needed to take a photo in the helmet for some reason for the for the show. And they pulled out one of the original helmets and he goes, isn't that Big's helmet? And they go, how do you know that? I'm a giant nerd. <laughs> 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 so that I think is one of the coolest parts is, is the number of different stories from these cameo actors or where or they're the where they're talking about yeah, yeah like where they're ta- you know not necessarily cameos in like oh this is a big star but like a, you know they, they're on for one episode or they're on for two episodes only and all of their stories are about how, about how passionate they are and how much they loved star wars even before they had the chance to be on it oh, it's yeah. really cool to see that they're getting people that passionately care about the franchise that much and that's I think that's one of the many reasons why The Mandalorian is so successful compared to some of the shows and um, yeah. movies and things that, you know, reboots where they're just trying to cash in on it again. They're like, obviously, we're going to cash in on it again. The only reason people yeah. bought Disney Plus is for this show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that, that should branch out once some of the other uh, the other there's, there's, shows start launching. There's a lot of great content on Disney Plus. I've definitely gotten a year out of my subscription for sure. Um, I'm looking for some of those new series to drop. Yeah, that'll be when it really holds its value. I yeah, think. but like that, there's a reason why this was a a launch title, you know. <laughs> so oh yeah, so obviously Disney wanted to make its money out of it, and that's really. At the end of the day, the primary reason why Disney does things to make money. They're a company. That's what you yep. do. Yeah. That's what I do. And I think I, I think I've heard uh, <laughs> they've started. I think I've heard that they started on season three for Mandalorian now. Timing's about right. Yeah. If they yeah. want to get another one in. Yeah. Uh, Which considering all the things going on in the world these days with COVID, uh, it's good to hear that they're able to to make that happen. Um, well, one, logistics of that sort of stuff has got to be very tricky for the industry. I think it, so. it, it is. It does, yeah, because yeah. you, you don't need as many people in the room to yeah. do a shoot. Um, yeah, and, it, and uh, yeah, that goes back to the the way they're doing the storytelling with limited actors. Yeah, yeah, it helps a lot in that case. It means that it does help them avoid having this big sprawling cast, this big ensemble that they have to have in every episode, or something's weird. Yep, you know, like. Oh, and the number of characters that have masks or helmets. Yeah, it's all super handy. You can hide those masks on the inside, yeah. Yep. <laughs> also, just going to say it, wear a damn mask. 
Yep. <laughs> like, just yep. Just putting that out there. We all know why. But back to the Mandalorian. <laughs> is, it, is it about time that we can go full, a little, I say full, full partial theory mode here on what's to come? No, I think we have to do partial full theory. <laughs> <laughs> how, how crazy are we willing to go? Well, I... Let's have it. Uh, my current thought process is that we've seen what we are all presuming is alluding to being Boba Fett at the end of Chapter 9. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There have also been murmurs of other actors and actresses being cast for roles, for example, Sabine and Ahsoka. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I currently have a running theory that the Mando's primary focus at the minute is uniting the child with its people. Yes, and I, well, and I, yeah. and I yep, think yeah. it's going to be three seconds into Ahsoka being on the scene to go. I knew one of those. Yeah, that is definitely the direction they're going. I'm still on the fence about them actually. Like, I kind of don't want it to be Ahsoka. I'm going to be very honest. Um, I'm I'm totally with you there. Yeah, much like we don't want Boa Fett to steal the limelight. Same thing. Yes. Well, and part of it is like Ahsoka is now just this character who's managed to survive everything, everything, yeah. despite yeah. being despite like being legendary, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like at this yeah. point, um, I, I like the story that they've already woven for her to exist within all this stuff, but not be in the actual film and not be in this part and not be in that part. But she still fits in. As a as a key player in all these different elements, it's I think it's great. I'm yeah. hoping it's like a one off cameo where like there's some assistance, or we visit her and see that she's quite old and she's you know she gives some tidbit of help and then she, you know, yeah, that's that's what I, I don't want I don't want them to like Yoda Yoda permanent sleep her as right after they meet her, but <laughs> yeah, that's one of the, yeah. the other the that's the other bit that gets me is like at this point she would be getting towards elderly. Like I don't yeah. know how. Um, how Tagra age? I don't know. I don't think anybody honestly does. I think I think they're standard human lifespans, from what I recall. So Which might only put her sort of towards her fifties, really. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's not. Well, the thing is, she was like I forget how old she was in the Clone Wars. Uh, it varied. It varied. Yeah, <laughs> like depending on the episode. <laughs> um, but like at the start of the Clone Wars, we're assuming she's probably like what twelve, fourteen, something like that. Oh no, I, know, I, like... I got the I got the feeling she was younger than that because by the end of what I'm going to go into season seven of Clone Wars was the most recent. Yeah, yeah I think she was fourteen when she first started in the Clone Wars. The Disney Plus season would be season seven. Yeah, like yeah. she's out on her you own. We see yeah. she she had grown from child to what I'd say is teenager. Yeah, yeah. Um, because the model from Clone Wars to Rebels was clearly teenager to adult. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, and the thing is, yeah, she is an adult, a young adult, fair, but an adult um, 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Is so it really she's, 20 years ago, though? Because uh, by the time that you get to the end of Rebels, you're at the start of episode four. Mm. And we're only how many years past episode six at this point? Did they specifically say it's? I don't think it's more than ten. It's nine after the Battle of Yavin for the Mandalorian when it first starts. Okay, nine. Okay, yeah. and one season is not one year. Like all of the events have taken place in oh, a fairly it, short duration. Yes. Oh, it could have only been like two weeks for the. Yeah, <laughs> it probably. Yeah. probably right, was. So they're running under D and D timings. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, <laughs> travel doesn't take any time. 
I mean, that's Star Wars. Yep. Like one of the I, I, just enough time for a long rest to <laughs> to rag on, <laughs> to complain about the Clone Wars for a little bit. Yeah. Um, the blue shadow virus episode where they have oh, to go geez. to Naboo and then to uh-huh. some other place to some other place. And they're under this huge time crunch because everyone's dying. But the planets are all miraculously within about 20 minutes of each other. <laughs> You know, I had just managed to forget about that whole thing. <laughs> ha. <laughs> now, um, was, was this canon or was this just something someone tried to put in extended of uh, Luke, Luke and Leia being different ages despite being twins because of the way time affects you through deep space travel? I think uh, that was, I think that's, uh, that sounds like a fan theory. I think that's supposition. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't it, think it really makes much of a difference either way, but I would highly suspect that Star Wars does not uh, follow that um, line well, of physics. That, well, and if that's the case, part. wouldn't that make Leia? Wouldn't that make Leia older? It would. Yeah. 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 How would how would that end up working? Like people at the outer rim would age differently than those no, at, it's, towards it's, the center of the galaxy, or no? It's more the fact that people who during are during travel yeah, age different. Yeah. You you age slower during travel. Mm-hmm. So those who are basically planet planet born, planet staying, never they never tra- go anywhere in hyperspace. Yeah. yeah, age at the regular rate, and all the while you're in hyperspace, you you effectively mm. age slower in comparison. I mean, Kenobi did age pretty badly once he stayed on tattoo. <laughs> that's, that's the sun. The sun. The sun's not yeah. good for for the skin, like especially with two. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I'd chalk that up to, to fan theory. It's a cool concept to consider, but I think it would make it a total mess for people to try and figure out, you know. So theory-wise, I think realistically we're, we're more likely to see um, Sabine than Ahsoka. If, he, if he's looking for other coverts, um, we could see... And Mandalorian. We, we could see a red... Well, and I want to... Um, because they were quite a strong family even through everything that happened in Rebels. It would yeah. be mm-hmm. that they had stuck together in some way. Uh, um, what I want to know is what is the status of Mandalore? Mm, like, because be... it's clearly a planet um, in the in the history of the show yeah. and the uh, and yeah. the universe at large. And, and most planets are still planets at this point. Yeah, it's true. There are <laughs> we have lost a few. but like and i mean they mentioned massacres and stuff like that and there's it's hinted that gideon um is responsible for most of them um but it it does sound it it does sound like with the 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 difficulty in acquiring beskar they're probably going the route of mandalore the planet got just absolutely ravaged by the empire which is kind of you know which is what happened in the eu as well right it's like the empire came over you know, stripped a lot of the resources out, really treated, you know, displaced the Mandalorians. And I suspect that's kind of the same thing since they're all in the, in the, their little hidden groups. Yeah. yeah like it's probably I, something similar. Like that's, that's the thing that I want most explained. I want Filoni to explain how he started with pacifist Mandalorians and terrorist death watch yep. to a subset of the Death Watch, like Bo-Katan's folks, yep. being mm-hmm. basically the Mand- the Mandalorians we know and love. Yep. Um, and then suddenly, you know, them being on a galactic scale, like the Battle of Mandalore and the Siege of Mandalore was a thing. 
<laughs> that the Republic took notice of. And then, yeah, then the Empire probably coming in, strip mining the place. And then at the same time, how Filoni got to, well, Mandalorians are basically a secret society. No one knows about, no one remembers, and they all live underground. I, I, would, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say no one remembers or knows about them. I they're, think they're, they're, treated, they're, they're treated as legends. Like, people don't seem to... People aren't surprised when they see one. Given give the way the Empire, like, again, depending on which books and source material you read, went out of their way to eradicate all knowledge of the Jedi, if they wanted mm-hmm. to do it about one planet, they they could. They could. Uh, they could. Yeah. It would fade into that myth of legend. Yeah. But I... But I need that explained to me because it's just yeah. like, in particular, and granted, in Dave I trust. Like I'm sure there's payoff. There's been payoff so far every time he's done something weird. Um, but like, I want to know how he has personally pulled Mandalorians in four different directions, four very <laughs> contrasting and contrary directions, and yet uh, it all still flows. Yeah, and yeah. I want to know how he pulls them all back together. That's yeah. that's what I want. Yeah, the feeling I got as far as how the Mandalorians progressed, my guess would be you had the Mandalorians. They were, you know, they've they've always been like at, you know, warring with other places. They've always had a tumultuous history. So before the Clone Wars, before all that, they're probably off doing their own thing. And I suspect that they kind of go in 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 cycles of kind of sheltering on their planet, defending themselves, keeping to themselves and then kind of like extending out as things kind of settle down. And then they kind of hit kind of a, an apex of, of like they're well-known and they're revered and they're feared. And then someone goes to war with them. The huge battle happens. It comes crashing back down and then they, yeah. they kind of cloister away again. Cause they, men- um, they mentioned that like that, like the armor yeah. mentions something that is pretty heavily regarded to be the Sith Mandalorian wars. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, um, and so you kind of going from clone wars, you've got the clone wars where they're kind of, you know, they're just coming out of that in hiding cycle where it's like, yeah, yes, us all being pacifists is clearly the way to hide from galactic conflict. We don't want another one of those. And then by the end of it, it's like, nope, here we are again, galactic conflict time. And I yeah. suspect that, well, that given was- how the man, you know, with with the final season of Clone Wars, they needed the Republic's help in dealing with the problems. It would probably very quickly transition as soon as Order sixty six hits, right? And the Empire gets formed. It's like, hey, so we were helping you out, and we got all these troops here. Yeah, this planet's ours now. Yeah, no, and that that makes sense than a lot of the yeah. old. That like makes more sense than a lot of the old canon. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, ways yeah. which were a lot of them were just buggy. Yeah, but they. Yeah. So but I suspect like, it's I'm... it's that occupation of planet. Mandalorians kind of get scattered across the galaxy, go into hiding, and then this is kind of where we are right now. Is they're not well known. But I want to know. Trying to stay. I, I want to know if this has only been less than twenty years between Rebels, mm-hmm. where everyone takes off their damn helmet, <laughs> to this is the way no one ever sees our faces. Yeah. Well, so there's gonna, like, there's two, like, there's two there's two aspects. One, it's much like the Death Watch and the Pacifists. You have a specific group of Mandalorians that have a specific way of living. Right, and where the hell are the rest of them? So each. <laughs> well, that's, what the show is, that's what the show is going to reveal to us. Yeah, well, is, like is the show's Death Watch, not the same uh, extremist Death Watch from the Clone Wars, though. We don't really know. We don't know if so. we don't know if they're the Night Owl Death Watch or the or the um, the Visla Death Watch. We don't well, really know. And in we, either we, case, we do know. they end up basically being merged by the time of Rebels, anyway. 
Yeah. What we do, however, know is that Paz Vizsla has no relation whatsoever to Pre Vizsla. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which, if they could just stop make, making them all have the same last name but be totally unrelated, it would it, make it a little easier to it's, figure it's out. Like, it's like Smith or Lee yeah. or, yeah. you know, it's like just one of those names where there's a million of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, the, the, there's a small small part that I picked up on in the episode that I'd like to get your guys' take on. Mm-hmm. So they, there is definitely the feeling throughout the show that people have heard of, or some some people are vaguely seem to be aware of these mystical users of these mystical powers, and basically what the child was doing at the end of season one. Yeah, and I found it quite interesting that there's the seem total lack of knowledge or awareness of that contrasted by what seems to be quite the the de facto phrase of may the force be with you almost yeah, and, like one that oh, one yeah. is said through habit and culture without knowing where why how or who yeah i mean it's i mean it's sort of the same sort of i can i can take it in two directions cuz a i'm surprised at that too because apparently luke skywalker is still the poster boy for the rebellion and the republic, right? Yeah. The guy who mm-hmm. ran around with a lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that would very much be something that the new republic would be actively promoting that the Jedi are back, just as a PR move, even if there's only one. Um, so there's yeah. there. I agree with you that there's a fair amount of weirdness there, um, Especially because, yeah, on going with that same thing, no one knows who the Mandalorians are, but everyone knows what Beskar is. <laughs> I don't know if everybody knows, but like that one moth. It's well, the moth, the the first guy, the guy that uh, that the Mandalorian meets at the fight. Yep. For information, he's like, "Give me the Beskar armor." Like it's a Mandalorian word. <laughs> It's like I, I think it's I think it's 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 known enough as like a as a metal resource. Yes, yeah. and I've, it's like saying, hey, give me that platinum. It's like most people probably haven't dealt with platinum, but they know of it. Yeah, and, and, and I, I mean they, they aren't calling it. They aren't calling it Mandalorian iron, so I get that. Yeah, they don't need to explain that away. <laughs> and I and I think in your first example there, Crow, with the 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 guy he met in the Fight Club. I think mm. if you're dealing with underworld characters, they're familiar with what's on the black market. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's fair. That's fair. But I guess to to go back to to your question though, with like how is "May the Force be with you" such a phrase that everyone knows, even though no one knows the Jedi? I think it's sort of the same reason. Like, why do we say "Bless you" right <laughs> when you sneeze? Like, just as mm. normal earthy people, even if well, even, yeah. even if you're not. Of a Christian faith, like it's just a common reflex, it's part of the language, you know. Yeah. Or it's, or it's say, only common in it's say, common in English, but in other languages, it's there's different sayings instead. Yeah, it's it's true. But even in even in English, a lot of people say "Gesundheit," which is obviously German. Like yes, not not a, to your health, not any sort of religious connotation, which is quite interesting. Yeah, but most people, like a fair amount of people, who say it in in English, like in um, Americans anyway, they don't even know what "Gesundheit" means. They just know it's a thing you say when someone sneezes. Right. Yeah, and it could just be tradition then, yeah. Yeah. Um so I think that I think it's one of those things. I think it's a phrase that that has lost its original meaning and has just become reflexive. Could be. I I do like speaking of the religious component. Um 
you know, the, the, they finally did it. They finally did May the Force Be With You, and someone said, and also with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, that's my uh, my wife. Yes, my, that's been reflexive of like, oh, may the Force Be With You, and, and also, also with you. <laughs> yeah. My wife was raised Catholic, same thing. She is, yeah. uh, <laughs> she's mentioned she's <laughs> that to me many times. And when they, when they set it back over the comm link in the episode, she lost it. It was so funny. <laughs> so good. <laughs> See, and I like I knew that sort of stuff and I was not raised religious mm. in any respect. But like the couple of times that I'd been to a church, there's always that phase. There's like that, and know, also with you part. Yeah. With you. Like whatever whatever the call is, that's the response. And it's just like someone someday. Someday. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, when people say "May the Force be with you," I've been doing and also with you for years, so <laughs> that that got me good when it finally happened in the show. <laughs> well, yeah, because in the show, most people don't say a lot. Some people say "you too." Yep. Um, some people just sal- have saluted, mm-hmm. or have said, or they're also saying "May the Force be with you," also or something like that. Yeah, like, and there's even a moment in, um, yeah, an episode, yeah, an episode eight of the primary movies mm-hmm. um there's a moment where holdo and leia are both about to say may the force be with you to each other yep <laughs> like <laughs> yep <laughs> which say what you will about the overall movie it's got good moments mm-hmm. <laughs> which to digress i did watch um episode nine the la- the uh the rise of skywalker again the other day Oh, yeah. And yeah, I'm still it's it's sort of like episode one to me. Like I loved it when it first came out, but the more I watch it, the more I'm starting to agree with the complaints. Um, but it has a lot of great moments. It does. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, I, I, I at the end of the day, I like to look at it as, as this. It's Star Wars. It's it Star is what Wars. we got. Yep. No amount of complaining will ever change that. Yep. I have no problems with people that go, hey, you know, here's why I didn't like a particular thing. I just don't like the people that complain as if like the amount of whining they do will somehow change what's already oh yeah released, the, what's already been decided the petition that went out to redo exactly. that stuff is just nonsense that's 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 bs and oh. like and the end of the day am i going to watch it again at some point yep yeah i am i, I understand people being that emo- you know having that such a strong emotion that they want it a different way that they, they want to see it change that it that they feel betrayed by it not being how they hoped it had been mm-hmm. i get feeling that way about it i just don't get the like trying to drag everybody else's enjoyment down being like oh you can't like it it was garbage yeah it's like i would much rather and this is just me personally i would much rather enjoy what i can out of it even if it's not got the greatest of storytelling or or it has some flaws in terms of logic i'd still rather go into it and keep enjoying it for what it is than picking it apart and ending up hating it because i can't stand all that it's not yeah yeah Oh, actually, unfortunately, with Mandalorian, I have zero complaints. <laughs> I just love it. Oh, I will say because yeah. we actually haven't had a chance to talk about this on the podcast at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just want to dip for just a second. Um, did everybody here watch season seven of the Clone Wars? Yeah, I, yes, I did. Okay, cool. Um, how do we all feel about a Bad Batch um, spinoff series? That'd be cool. Yes. yes. <laughs> Okay, cool. <laughs> if, 
it it feels to me kind of like a, a a chance to get more not quite Republic Commandos, but that kind of a, a vibe. That's as close as we're gonna get. I I, yeah. I am annoyed that they had to make up a special kind of clone mm-hmm. when they already introduced that Republic Commandos were a thing. Yeah, like they well, had to have not Republic Commandos. <laughs> yeah, but people already bought the Republic Commando toys. Now they need to buy the Bad Batch toys. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna do this without swearing, but like. I cannot read the Bad Batch correct the first time ever. It uh, always says uh, something else to me the first time. <laughs> I have not had that problem. I am. It's every time. Like I just the way the font is, and just mm-hmm. the way my mind goes. I'm just like that does not say Bad Batch, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it does. Um, but no, I think I think with your question the. It almost felt like the Clone Wars was just like an experimental platform of would this work? And if it mm. doesn't, it's a force. It's a four episode arc. We're going to move on in episode five anyway, right? Mm-hmm. And they did. And I'll, I did like to to go back to Ahsoka. Um, I did like what they did in Ahsoka's arc for the both for the siege of Mandalore bit and that the pre section where she was just running around with the two sisters. I liked yeah. them. I liked their characters. I liked Ahsoka's development in that. I wish it hadn't taken five episodes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, there were a couple of the episodes you could skip cause it's just them arguing yeah. <laughs> the same argument, no less. Um, I, I, and I, I wish they could to... just skip, skip to the Siege of Mandalore a little bit more and flesh that out a little bit. So, so what was your take on where the episodes fit into the story then? Because I, I think for me it was trying to tell the story of who is she without being a Jedi, and mm-hmm. ultimately she came back to it. On her own terms, I, yeah. I, I, th- I, th- I think he kind of struggled with just they only had a limited amount of time to try and fit everything in and tie everything up nicely. But then why did they take so many episodes for her to figure it out, sitting in a prison cell? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's sort of my... Probably because the, they, didn't, they didn't want to rush that component. They didn't want to go, Ahsoka's been out of the Jedi Temple for exactly three hours and she's already figured out how she's going to proceed with her life. It's it's true. Like the the pacing was my only problem with how mm-hmm. the episodes fit together. Um, yeah, I think you had to have it slow at the start so it didn't seem rushed just through the whole thing. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's like coming off of the bad batch episodes, which were awesome um, for the yeah. most part, and then going into it's a bit of a speed bump. It's, yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a slows you right down. But again, like I liked it. I like that she did end up going back to the Jedi, sort of. What she ended up yeah. doing was she ended up going back to the Mandalorians. Um, even they even gave her a shirt with a diamond with yeah. a chest diamond on it. And a little <laughs> headband thing. Yeah, like <laughs> so she ended up going back to to a culture that she still felt a connection to, and she still took up the lightsabers and she still used the Force. She kind of went back to being a Jedi on her own terms. Yeah, um, which fits with the greater star Wars saga in general. Cause the big mm-hmm. thing with the prequels is that the Jedi had a way of doing things and it turns out it wasn't the way mm-hmm. there were, yeah. other, there were other ways. And I like that Ahsoka, one of the major characters they've developed landed on her own way. Yeah. Um, and I also like that it was one of the best parts about episode um, eight, the last Jedi um, 
was that even Luke Skywalker, scion of this Jedi culture, was like, no, they screwed up. Yeah, they screwed up hard. (laughs) And I tried doing it their way and I screwed up hard. (laughs) Yoda turned around and said the books weren't worth reading. Yeah, (laughs) like I'm, I'm happy that that is the direction that they're starting to go. And um, and that's one of the things that I wonder most about when they do reunite the child with his people is, is it going to be the Jedi we know or is it going to be something else? Is it going to be Luke Skywalker? Who the hell knows? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. One thing I do find interesting is kind of that gap Um, since Rebels takes place, what, five BBY to zero BBY? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, how exactly it goes from Ahsoka being, um, I guess there's a, there's, I think there's more time than I, sometimes I feel like there's more time between things than I initially think there is. Um, there's time for some characters to get haircuts between. (laughs) (laughs) If you go from like the end of the clone wars, uh, the final season is like right up into the very last seconds before revenge of the Sith kicks off. Right. Right, and the Revenge of the Sith is, is I got to think it through. Nineteen BBY, yeah, ish, yeah. yeah. Right, and then Rebels picks up five BBY. Yep. Right before the Battle of Yavin. Yep. So you've still got you got fourteen years in there. Mm. So there is, you know, that was one of the things I was a little concerned of with the whole like Ahsoka going Mandos. But now that I'm thinking it out loud, it we're good. The timeline does hold up. Um, yeah, initially I was a little worried. It was like Ahsoka joins up with the Mandos and then just immediately is like off doing rebel stuff. But yeah, there's actually a chunk of time in there. So it, it would be interesting to see if we did get a, a you know, a spinoff or some, a couple novels or something to kind of flesh out that period between, you know, the fall of the Republic, the rise of the empire and Ahsoka getting her footing as, you know, uh, fulcrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoilers. Anyone? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I feel like there's some there's some good there's a good section of of story that could still be done with Ahsoka there, and so I'm kind of I guess to kind of get back to the Mando is I'm hoping that if they're going to spend any time on Ahsoka, it's limited, and if anything, it's kind of like the Fett potential rumor that they spin off something, and I could see an Ahsoka series following her, you know, figuring out how to survive in the brand new Empire, and um you know, kind of like building um, up to where Rebels picks up. Yeah. Well, and even if they want to do a spinoff series with her picking up from the end of Rebels to maybe where she shows up in The Mandalorian, we don't know. Yeah, and that all, like, that would also be pretty cool. Like, yeah, that equally 10, night, almost 19-year gap. Um, yeah. Same thing. Like, there's still plenty in there about it. Because that's one of the reasons I know we all like The Mandalorian is it's not the Skywalker saga. It's like, oh, yeah, there's, you know, some trillion, quadrillion people in the galaxy. Let's follow someone else for a minute. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I could I could equally see the Ahsoka series picking up in that in between episode three and Rebels section. And then kind of as it gets towards the Rebels section, it like kind of, quote unquote, ends. But then they do another series where it's Ahsoka post. Yeah. uh, You know, post Rebels. That would be fine. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not. It's a good character. I, they've they've made a really good character out of Ahsoka. I, I think there's plenty of, of potential. I don't know how I'm gonna feel with a different voice coming out of Ahsoka. Tricky. <laughs> there is that. Yes. <laughs> like, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's been Ashley Eckstein for the whole time. 
and she's yeah. great. Um, but like, I don't know, literally anyone else. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I guess like, it would be kind anytime James Earl Jones doesn't do the voice of Vader. It's like, yeah, it's close. Yeah. Close. I mean, well, like you've got, you've got James Earl Taylor doing Kenobi. I think that sounds spot on close enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, James Earl uh, at all. He's great. Um, but you've got, I mean, technically, James Arnold Taylor has been Kenobi longer than anyone else who has been Kenobi. Right. Yeah. Like got several iterations of Kenobi, and they and they just they have variances in the age. And I think, I think the Ahsoka thing, if it would probably be okay, um, as long as they have at least a little bit of a time jump, because she's still getting older. She's not fully hit adulthood. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Or she's like right on the cusp of like young adulthood. Yeah. Not. You know, she can vote, but not drink. middle. Yeah, not middle aged. Like, <laughs> and, and I think if the math is right, Ahsoka would be forty five during the Mandalorian. Yeah, that's probably you, that's, you definitely that's you would definitely have a shift head. of vocals. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you definitely have a shift of vocals between like she's still you know just becoming an adult at the at the worst of times. <laughs> you know, the entire Republic is falling apart as she's trying to become an adult. You know, talk about stressful. Uh, <laughs> To going to like, hey, the uh, the empire's now fallen, and she's like in her mid forties. You know that I that I don't think I'd mind a voice change at all on. Yeah, yeah. Well, and um, and, and just that jump from like the mind accepts the jump from CG to live action mm. a little bit yeah. easier. You're just like, okay, well, this crap's all different. All right, let's let's yeah. go. <laughs> Show me. Yeah. Uh, well, question for you guys. Um. The voice actor for Anakin Skywalker for Clone Wars. Yes. How'd you feel about that? Because that didn't, like, to me, it seemed pretty pretty seamless, even though they do sound different. Well, part of the problem there is that um, I like I liked him better as well. Part of the, my opinion there, one of the reasons is that the person, I forget his name now, but yeah, the guy who voices Anakin in the Clone Wars um, was a trained actor. <laughs> Um, who got direction. Yeah. Um, whereas Hayden Christensen was neither of those things when he was Anakin. <laughs> so. <laughs> and, and again, uh, you think it's, it's just fun how they do their tie-ins with the voice actor of Anakin being in season one of the Mandalorian. Yeah. Yep. And that's Matt Lantern. Uh, Matt, yep. Sorry, Matt Lanter. By yep. The way. yep. There we go. That's the I'm yep. I'm crap with names today. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man, where where could Hayden Christensen have gone if George Lucas actually directed him? Where? <laughs> yeah, who knows? Who knows? Is this it? I think he might be. I think so. I think we leave them with that wonderful quandary of who knows. <laughs> All right. Well. Thank you very much for listening. Um, listen in next time when we're going to talk about inevitably more Mandalorian. Because how many are we getting another eight episodes? Yes. Is that what we're doing? Okay. I think it's another eight. Yeah. Okay. So we've done the first two. Yep. We'll probably do in the next two by the next time. Yep. So we'll see. Here's hoping. Like, I mean, obviously not. Here's hoping they've they're done them all, and we're gonna get one for the next six weeks. So that that's yep. gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. I I suspect we'll we'll probably break it down in in two episodes at a time. Otherwise, like you know, if we're if it's a, a month between each recording and we get more of it, 
this next time. I don't think we can fit enough in without the, the episodes running longer and longer for podcast recordings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think so. So two at a time should be good, I think. Gives us focus. Yeah. Also <laughs> le- helps people avoid the spoilers a little more. Fine. <laughs> content running in the next couple of episodes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it'll actually give us something to talk about. Uh, so that's yeah, cool. well, over the yeah over the holiday season, I, I suspect there's not going to be a ton of crazy stuff happening with the Mercs between COVID and everything else. So. Oh, probably not. That's okay. Yep. Yeah, we hope everyone's keeping well and safe. Indeed. Stay safe. Um, stay and stay indoors. 